is the moment UFC fans around the world have been waiting for. It's time! Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Red Belt Report. The MMA podcast where we talk about everything that's going on in the world of mixed martial arts, mainly focusing on the UFC. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. And I'm Brooks Phelan. And this week, we're going to recap the epic UFC 206. Who saw that coming? As well as a bunch of fight night cards, go over some news, and preview all the events leading up to UFC 207, culminating in Ronda Rousey's return for the Bantamweight title. Uh, December 30th. Yeah, man. I'm nervous for... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. For sure. sure. So, yeah, before we get into things, just wanted to say thanks again to Alex Kidwell for coming on on the last podcast. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, I very much enjoyed that episode. Yeah. And uh, in that podcast, we went over our, you know, instead of our top five, we did a fantasy matchmaking thing where we just... Uh, each gave our ideal super card to coincide with like UFC 200, UFC 205, and we got we threw it out to the audience and said, "If you got anything, let us know." And we got a response. So this is from Edwin Johnson, who said, "Cool stuff, guys. Throwing a card out there for you. As an unapologetic Khabib fanboy, I'm finally giving him his shot in Moscow." This is in July or August. It leans a little European because of the location. First up, Derek Lewis versus Alistair Overeem for the next heavyweight title shot. Uh, fun first matchup, he says. And yeah, I would agree. I think this is a fight that Alex had mentioned. And that is two heavy hitters going at it that I would love to watch for sure. Yeah, I didn't give any thought to that. That is a good fight. <laughs> yeah, I think Lewis has a better chin. <laughs> they definitely could knock each other out. Yeah. Uh, next, he has John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson two for the next light heavyweight title shot rematch of a great fight. Jones's first bout back from the suspension, and yeah, that would be awesome. I could see that happening for sure. If yeah. if they want to punish him by not giving him an immediate shot, which I think might happen. I agree, especially depending on the outcome of Cormier Johnson, if that ever occurs. Yeah. I think the fans definitely deserve to see that fight. Yeah, that that would be good. Next up, he's got Ronda Rousey versus Christine Cyber, Cyborg Justino to officially kick off the 145-pound division. That seems a little out there, but maybe if Ronda loses to Nunes and she wants to do one last-ditch you know, money fight, that could definitely work. Yeah, I don't so see I, that working out too well for her. No, oh my god. Then she would definitely retire after that one. Yeah. Next, he has a Twisto's Twist with uh, Daniel Cormier versus Nikita Krylov for the light heavyweight title. Cormier and Krylov obviously win the upcoming fights. Let's also give Krylov a huge win in April over Anthony Johnson or Glover Teixeira or some other top guy. Obviously, he wrote this in before Krylov just lost to... Misha Serkinov 
and Cormier's fight against Johnson was canceled. So if yeah. if everything would have broke right, yeah, I would have got behind that. Yeah. <laughs> and his main event is of course Conor McGregor versus Khabib Nurmagomedov. Connor gets his time off. Let's say Khabib beats Ferguson on that April card, and boom, shaka laka. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good, good card. I'd pay 60 bucks to see that, or at least split it with some other people. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into the meat of the episode. We had UFC 206 in Toronto, Ontario, in Canada this past weekend. Uh, a lot of drama. In the lead up to this card, it seemed like it was cursed. I remember when they first announced UFC 205 was going to be Connor versus Eddie, and UFC 207 was going to be Ronda versus Nunez, and they had 206 in Canada right there in between, and there was rumors of GSP coming back, and we thought this is going to be the best three pay-per-view stretch run ever. Obviously, <laughs> that didn't happen with GSP, but... They had Cormier versus Johnson as the headliner. Not much else for a while. Then they finally added Max Holloway versus Anthony Pettis in a 145-pound title eliminator. Then when Cormier got hurt, that was that was uh, promoted to the headlining match. <laughs> and they ridiculously made it an interim title fight. Yeah, some fugazi shit there. Yeah, ridiculous. We'll get into that, into that in a second. But also, obviously, Donald Cerrone's fight with Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 205 was called off. So 206 got a boost by adding him against Matt Brown in the co-main event. And Tim Kennedy's fight against Rashad Evans also got pulled at the last second on UFC 205. And he, in a weird turn of events, ended up fighting Gastelum yeah. uh, this past weekend. So I going in, I think we both were a little underwhelmed with the card on paper. But there were some fun fights on tap, I thought, so, and I definitely wanted to watch Pettis versus Holloway for five rounds. So, what were your expectations when you actually sat down to watch the card? Yeah, I, I didn't think much of it. I wasn't too excited about it, but uh, it definitely came through. I mean, the undercard was great, and then the main card lived up to, actually, more than lived up to what I thought it was going to be. Um, some surprise fights, especially the Kevin Gaslam, Tim Kennedy fight, the Do Who Choi. He uh, he blew me away with his chin, man. That was outrageous. Yeah, what an amazing fight that was. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was. I mean, for some reason, as it was getting closer, I was like just getting excited to watch Cerrone versus Brown, Holloway versus Pettis, and I knew Swanson Choi was going to be good. I didn't know it was going to be that good, but. Man, I was that was like one of the best pay-per-views of the year in a year full of great pay-per-views. Yeah. So, I mean, even the undercard delivered, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And it was just like, it was, I mean, I guess you would say a standard pay-per-view with how this year's been with stacked pay-per-views. This was on like the lower end, kind yeah. of like a, a standard pay-per-view, but it definitely came through more than I think anybody would have expected. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I'm curious, I don't think it's going to be a big seller. But, you know, they can't all be half a million pay-per-view buys or more. Yeah, it's probably in the two to 300, I'd say. I'd be shocked if it even cracked 250, to be honest. Yeah. Just because, I don't know, especially losing that title fight in the, the way that, I think they, honestly, I think the reason they pulled the belt from Connor was to 
kind of have that as a selling point for this card, just so they could use Conor McGregor's name. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't even think about that, but that is a good point. Use the drama of it. Yeah. As- but speaking of that, obviously we, you are not a big fan of the way they handle that, as I don't think many people were, myself included. But, yeah, so McGregor goes out, beats Eddie Alvarez, lives up to the promise he made of being the first ever simultaneous two-weight division champ. And <laughs> the possibilities are endless with that, the way you can advertise that and promote that going forward. And they just immediately take that away from themselves for very short-sighted reasoning just because their main event there was an injury pull out yeah i mean it's just like i feel like they've messed up on every possible thing they could have done this starting with not having two belts for connor in the ring yep all the way to i mean they've just totally devalued the belt system with more than it already has been with this whole thing they've pulled here yeah and jose aldo cries to dana white that He's he's going to retire just because he doesn't get an immediate rematch with the guy that knocked him out in 13 seconds. And they give in to him, and he gets his official title back, which, I mean, he beat Frank Yeager. He definitely deserved the interim in that sense, and I would have liked to see seen a McGregor rematch. But, I mean, there's nothing he can say about the way he lost, and McGregor has got other shit going on. So, I don't know. I mean, obviously you can't hold up hold up that division forever but just every the way it all went down was kind of off-putting yeah i mean they definitely had to clear out the whole log jam they had going on but there's a million other ways they could have gone about it yeah and to add on top of that anthony pettis goes out and misses weight so it's really only a half of an interim uh, title fight where only max holloway could have won the interim belt god i was kind of rooting for pettis to win just for the chaos theory of it all <laughs> i mean what would happen the guy goes out and beats the your big contender that's on a nine fight winning streak and can't even fight at that weight class anymore yeah right it would have fucked everything up what would they do then frankie Edgar versus the aldo part three it's just just crazy but i mean fortunately for the ufc that that didn't happen and max holloway went out there and put on a hell of a performance um got into a I mean, it was fairly close, I felt like, for the first round or two. But then in the third round, Holly goes out there and just lights him up and makes Pettis quit. I think he just quit. It didn't even seem like he had, like, took that one big shot. It was just the volume, and he just went down, put his arms over his head, and basically just said, please stop this fight. Yeah, I mean, that last flurry was pretty good. But, yeah, I agree. Just kind of was looking for a way out. Yeah. And that's the but, first time Pettis has ever been finished in his career. Yeah, I was surprised they gave uh, Holloway the bonus for it, but I guess it is true that he is the only person to stop him. But like you were saying, it was close for the uh, first round or two. I mean, Holloway did mess up his, I think it was his left eye in the first round pretty bad. Yeah, oh yeah, he hit him with a clean shot coming in. It gave him a little mouse under the eye. And, uh, and Pettis broke his hand, he says, on the first punch he threw which obviously limits him. But I think I still think Holloway was going to win that fight. He just had a great game plan going in, not trying to be too aggressive, do too much. He let his game come to him and really found his distance about halfway through the second round. Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I just lost a lot of stock with Anthony Pettis through this whole thing. I mean, 
I'm pretty sure I've heard him say in the past where he didn't really cut any weight at uh, 155 pounds, and he's saying how hard and impossible it is for him to make this 145-pound limit. And so basically that means to me that he's pretty much a wimp with weight cutting and doesn't want to do it at all. And on the embeddeds, on like Wednesday or so, he's out with his uh, team eating filet mignon and fried egg. Right, to right. Reward himself for all the hard work and whatever he said. And he goes and fucking misses weight and can't cut another pound and a half or whatever it was. Yeah, I mean, I've never cut weight, so I'm not really sure what it entails, but yeah, it's a shame. And this is his fourth loss in five fights. He looked pretty good in Oliveira fight, but it's just but what a catastrophe for him from go- two years ago, almost. Two years ago to the date, uh, in 2014, he had just submitted Gilbert Melendez for his first title defense and looked unstoppable. Looked like he was on his way to superstardom as the lightweight champ. And that fast, he's just maybe one loss away from being cut, which is crazy to even say out loud. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that would be a huge uh, catch for like a bell tour or something. But yeah, he's not far off getting the axe. Yeah, what, what do you think is next for him? I think... Obviously, he's, he said after the fight he's never going to make fight at 145. He just can't do it. So he's got to go back to lightweight. I hope they will just shove him far down the ladder, make him earn his way back into legit fights, and get him to build some momentum and get some confidence. I think that's probably the main thing for him right now. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I don't see what else they could do i think they're gonna give him like a michael johnson or something like that at lightweight yeah that's a good fight i i was thinking will brooks because he's coming off yeah, the loss. Be good. but yeah either one of those or you know like even uh who's the guy poirier just knocked out not too long ago but i mean lightweight's a deep division there are plenty of decent guys coming off losses like even ross pearson someone like that where he could really do his thing get a nice win under his belt Maybe try to build some momentum back up. Cause that yeah, he's, is... got a, he's got a ways to go to climb back up the ladder oh, yeah. if he ever does. For sure. But he's still only 30 years old, so if that. So, I mean, yeah. I still think the talent is there. It's just, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he still has incredible ability. He can knock you out, submit you in a flash. I still would like to see him fight guys like Tony Ferguson, Conor McGregor, I think, and Jose Aldo. I think... Like even I thought this fight was good. This was an entertaining fight as long as it lasted, even with all the broken hand and missed weight drama. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to like I heard Joe Rogan saying in this pay per view, it was like in in a fighter's career, like when you're young and you take a loss or two, and you can come back from it and get your momentum back. But you get a point in your career where you get a couple losses in a row, and it's really kind of demotes you and it's tough to get back rolling and yeah i think this might send pettis to like almost like a gatekeeper status where it's gonna i don't know if he'll ever be back in the top five or type yeah, of attention for sure at least for a while i mean i think the, the game is this is insane because he was one of these guys that was like an a proof of evolution in the game but uh maybe the game is just even passed him by that fast yeah definitely a possibility but turning our attention to the victor, Mr. Max Holloway, who has won 10 straight fights in a row. And this is not against Cupcakes. I mean, he's, his last five fights are against Pettis, Ricardo Lamas, Cub Swanson, uh, I think Oliveira. Just, I mean, he's fighting the who's who outside of the top three or four in the division. 
And beating him soundly. Yeah, I mean, he's he's on the up and up as, as much as anybody, I'd say. And I love his attitude where he's like, I'll fight anybody, I'll beat anybody, I'm coming for Where's Aldo or whatever he said. That was good. Um, and it looks like Jose Aldo said today that he signed the papers and they're going to fight at UFC 208, which is now UFC 208 in Brooklyn in February for the official title. Yeah, it's interesting because Dana White's so uh, not making fights on fight night. But I heard him say to uh, Holloway right as right before they read the decision, I heard Dana White say to Holloway at Brooklyn 208. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny because, yeah, then he, he did he'd take advantage of that and kind of, you know, try to sell it. So that, that's good. I hope that happens. That's going to be an awesome fight. Yeah, I think he's he definitely takes the right selling moves and like he doesn't just oh I'll take whoever the UFC gives me yada 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 he he calls out Aldo I <coughs> excuse me <coughs> sorry it's all right it's, it's the uh, right move to make it's not the standard bullshit you hear out of everybody I'll take whoever they give me top yeah. five blah 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 yeah you can't do that nowadays no definitely not but what do you think of Aldo versus Holloway do you think he matches up well do you think he can give him a fight or is this just going to be Aldo lay kicking him to death and taking care of business yeah I think it's interesting I mean it'll definitely be a great fight he's tall he's got good uh, reach but uh, how Aldo looked against Frankie Edgar holding his ground and just picking yeah, him man. apart I think it could be very similar to that if anything it kind of looks like I mean it's only been one fight but it looks like that loss to McGregor just made him mature even more and be smarter with his game plan so that's that's kind of scary to think about when he was already one of the best pound for pound fighters of all time yeah he's just crazy to think like you said that he could get better but he definitely like you said it's only one fight but he looked awesome in that frankie frankie Edgar fight yeah and i'm wondering if let's say he fights holloway in february let's just say auto wins i, I do think it, that's going to be a toss-up i think two of the best strikers in the division or just any division honestly uh but just say auto wins and he has the title fully once again you think he might go up to lightweight to fight mcgregor for that belt holloway no uh auto well uh yeah it's a possibility it depends on i think they're really trying to keep the featherweight division alive right now especially with the whole belt thing that just went down so i think it would be tough for them to or justify doing that right away. But say Auto beats Holloway. Who can he fight after that? Legitimately. Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, um, I guess Swanson, if he could w get another win or two. But he's already knocked him out in seven seconds before, so... Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean... It it just, is, uh, he seems desperate to want to get that fight against McGregor back. Oh yeah, for sure, and for good reason. But I just think it's they—it's a whole division they've got to try to keep alive, and I just think it would be tough for them to do that at least right away. They might, especially with like the Nate Diaz fight looming, and that's fair. Yeah, so many how possibilities. Many contenders there is at lightweight too. I mean, it's kind of like two divisions you'd be fucking up. Yeah, that's true. But they haven't done anything stupid like that before. Yeah, right. Uh, but I got, I got to think the UFC's hoping Holloway beats Aldo just because Aldo's always complaining about something. And honestly, it might be better for the division if Holloway wins because Holloway versus Frank Yeager, Holloway versus Chad Mendez, whenever he gets back from that 
Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, Aldo's beaten Frank Edgar twice. He's beaten all Mendez twice, even though he's suspended. But uh, he's beaten all the top guys at least once, you know what I mean? Right. So it's kind of, like, tough to justify or sell another fight with anybody. But So, yeah, they probably are hoping for Max Holloway. Plus, he's young, he's fresh. He's I think he'll sell great once he keeps getting yeah, more I do too. attention. He's entertaining. I mean, they could headline uh, the first ever card in Hawaii with that fight. Or with the yeah. fight between Holloway and, and the belt on the line, I mean. But, yeah, so I guess that's good enough for that main event. A lot of interesting stuff coming out of there. But in the co-main event, we had Donald Cowboy Cerrone knocking Matt Brown's head clean off and <laughs> <laughs> killing him, essentially. With yeah, that would be haircut. a great fight. Yeah, I was back and forth. I, I honestly thought... Uh, Cerrone was going to lose multiple times. I mean, at one point, he kind of takes Brown down and falls immediately into a triangle, which yeah. looked tight, but he, he managed to get his head out, and then in the second round, he got popped a few times where he got wobbly, but then was able to recover, which honestly honestly is something that Cowboy kind of, when he loses, that's how it happens. He'll get wobbled and then can't recover in time and gets finished that way. Yeah, he's not very good at coming back from a tough thing like that. And I agree. I thought he was going to lose a few times myself, just by the way the fight was going. I yeah. mean, he, he was landing good, but like especially those head kicks. But uh, Brown was definitely catching him a good bit. Yeah, and and Brown was pressuring him. I mean, kept it constant, constantly moving forward and not giving him a chance to breathe. Which may and now Cowboys four and zero at welterweight. Maybe that's something that not having to cut the weight provides him his body to recover faster from these type of things. And I mean, he just looks incredible at this weight class. Yeah. It's really surprising. Just that's four finishes in a row. And with progressively steeper competition, I got to feel like next, I know he's a guy that loves to fight as often as possible, but he's getting pretty damn close to title shot territory. Uh, I think he's got to be hoping for Robbie Lawler, Damian Maya, Someone like that. Yeah, he called out Damian Maya, which I think that's a... I mean, he's got great jiu-jitsu, but I don't know. I mean, it's just how Damian Maya's been so dominant lately. I don't know Yeah, if, if Carl- that would be a good fight for him. Yeah, I agree. If Maya can do what he did to Carlos Condit, I feel like Carlos Condit is like a slightly better version of Cowboy in a way, a more technical version. Yeah. So... That's tough. I mean, if he wins that fight, then yeah, he definitely deserves a title shot from that. But I feel like even though Robbie Lawler might be a more dangerous fight as far as getting knocked out, I feel like that's a fight he has a better chance of winning. Yeah, I, just because it plays more into his style. But um, yeah, I think that that fight's got to happen, especially since they try to schedule it already. I yeah. think that would be the next thing to happen. I agree. It'd be, be a great fight for Robbie to come back to, and it'd be it's just logical next step for a cowboy i think that would be a great co-main event to uh in february with aldo versus holloway yeah that would be but then you got here's what's probably going to happen <laughs> he's going to fight jorge masvidal sometime in january which seems like a complete step down i mean masvidal is a good fighter and i think that would be an awesome fight but just as far as title contention is concerned that's like a nothing yeah, it's like a step back, but they've got this beef going on apparently, so it's a good selling point at least. Yeah, that's true. Headline like a or co-main event, some type of fight night card somewhere. 
Well, yeah, Cowboy wants to fight in Denver really bad. That's in, like, the end of January. Yeah. But, like, for this uh, Brooklyn card in February, I mean, it's, like, February 11th, I believe. And to have a two-month training camp, you basically have to go right into camp right now, which is why it seems a little weird for me. I have to think Holloway's going to take that fight right away. It's basically, even through the, like, you have to go to camp right now, basically, for to be two months, eight-week yeah, camp. Yeah, for eight-week camp. And with the holidays, and you're going to eat at the holidays, you I would think need an eight-week camp. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean, yeah. I guess <clears throat> if he gets through Christmas, that's if he starts training like the day after Christmas, that's like seven weeks he would have. And if he waits till after New Year's, that's six. So yeah, yeah. that's it's tight, but they they're gonna pay him a little bit extra to make it happen. I feel like because they don't have much lined up right now. Yeah. They all the yeah. champions are either you know, hurt or just coming off a fight and don't have time. Obviously, we'll get to it later, but they tried to get Cyborg to fight on one of these cards to headline, so yeah, they're kind of desperate. I, th- I feel like they're going to throw some money. Yeah, I think we need to see this uh, Woodley-Thompson rematch. They've got that to be scheduled. So. Yeah, I wonder if that's looking like March, from what I understand, because Woodley was calling out Nick Diaz for March UFC 209, so maybe that's when that one is. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he wants nothing to do with that rematch, but it's got to happen. Stipe needs a fight too, right? Yeah, he said he was taking some time off, and then Kane versus Fervisha, which we'll preview later, that's going down in a couple weeks. I mean, I guess if the winner gets by unscathed, it could be something that happens not too far away. Yeah. Is that for the number one contender? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and oh yeah, speaking of the performance of the night, Cerrone, you know the only reason he didn't get that bonus is because he's part of that MMA AA union. Thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess so. And the, the Lando knockout was just incredible. To me, it was pretty straightforward. Choi versus Swanson should have got fight of the night, and Lando and Cowboy should have got the performances of the night yeah i mean i would just definitely give it to cowboy over max holloway but maybe that is the case although dana said they were on great terms after their talk but maybe it is the case yeah but is he on great terms with wme (laughs) yeah very true (laughs) but for matt brown i mean this was the best he's looked in a while i thought he looked really good actually obviously kept his head out a little bit too much that wasn't the only head kick he ate in that fight i mean it was kind of just a matter of time looking back but he looked good i mean he put on the most offense i've seen him in a while but he's still he's i think he's lost like five of his last six obviously against great competition but yeah I don't know. he looked good and i forgot how strong his submission game was and that uh, triangle was so close yeah it really was it's gotta definitely be a heartbreaker for him like you said he's lost a lot lately and he did look good so who knows what's up next for him yeah i don't think he's a guy they can cut he's just too entertaining and he's gonna go out there and put on a show no matter yeah, what he's he's an old school badass and yeah very straightforward man he's got a lot of fans it would take think... something special for uh for him to get cut and especially because i think he kind of did them a favor by making this fight because he was supposed to fight on another card later on and he kind of yeah. got off of that to, to do this so i think he's like a classic like great gatekeeper oh yeah yeah if you can beat him you're, i mean you're definitely legit you're ready for some tough competition yeah at least for the next 
year or two or so. Yeah, agreed. So, yeah, let's get to that fight of the night. Cub Swanson versus Duho Choi. Man, this is not even fight of the night. This could be fight of the year. Yeah. This was incredible. Both guys just throwing haymakers at each other and landing at, like, a very high percentage. Yeah. There was no defense to be found except for incredible chins. And, uh, yeah, man, what a doozy. Yeah, that kid blew me away with his chin. He took some serious shots from Cub Swanson. Yeah, and Swanson is a guy that can hit pretty damn hard. And so can Shoy, obviously. We've we've seen that. He had three first-round knockouts coming into this. And talk about a case where losing and your value goes up. That's oh, what, yeah. That's what happened here. Absolutely. I mean... He looked, he looked really good. I mean, his striking is so clean and technical. He just, yeah. There's no wasted effort. And he's 22 years old. Yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus. I mean, Swanson's tough as hell, and that was an awesome performance, but that was just more heart and experience that won him that fight. Because I think Choi made some decisions that lost him the fight. Like, he tagged him in the third, uh, Swanson in the third round, and then, like, tried to wrestle him. When I think yeah. if he could have just stayed on his feet and patiently like pounded him out he might have been able to end the fight there so i i honestly think Choi is a future champion in this division yeah i agree i think he's got nowhere but up to go i mean it's just crazy he looks like he should be in a korean boy band and he's, he's so i mean he's a badass dude <laughs> yeah he is yeah it's it's pretty funny uh there was a preview or a commercial for ufc 206 on tv when me and Mackenzie, my five-year-old daughter, were watching uh, something, probably ESPN or something, and and Duho Choi comes on the screen with his gloves and they're showing his highlights, and she's like, the, "But that's a kid. Why is a kid fighting?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, he's like in his twenties, Mackenzie." <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, but I mean, Swanson, huge win. This is his third in a row now, and for a guy that had back-to-back losses to Max Holloway and. Someone else, at Frank the, Yeager. Frank Yeager, yep, at the very top of the division. I mean, this is good for him because Frankie's not getting another another title shot against Aldo. Obviously, Holloway is. So, if Aldo does beat Holloway and stays at 145, Swanson is, I feel like, one win away from being the, the next guy. Yeah. Um, it's tough because he always seems to put together some wins then has a crucial loss when he gets up there. But I think... You're right, he's, he can't be too far off, especially with the competition he fights. Yeah, and just think how they could sell the Aldo-Swanson rematch and show that flying double knee that Aldo hit him with all yeah. those years ago on every freaking preview. Uh, I'm just trying to think who Swanson could fight next to set himself up for that. He's yeah, already fought Ricardo. Question. He's already fought a lot of those guys that are right there. So Yeah. But I'm sure they could figure something out. Maybe like yeah. the winner of Korean Zombie and Bermude, Dennis Bermudez, or yeah, that would be a good like fight. That. Has he fought Korean Zombie before? No, I don't think so. Because Chan Sung Jung has been out for like three years or something. He hasn't yeah. fought in a while. I'm excited for his comeback. Absolutely. But yeah, let's let's move on to Kelvin Gastelum, <laughs> middleweight Kelvin Gastelum against Tim Kennedy and. While it looked rough for Kelvin early on, Kennedy was out wrestling him and beating him up in the clinch, but gassed himself out in like three minutes. 
And from that point on, it was just a matter of survival with Gaslam t- picking him apart, really putting on an awesome performance. Talk about surprising, man. It blew me away. It's not what I thought was going to happen. I yeah. thought Kennedy, like early on, was going to out-wrestle him and just smother the shit out of him. Yeah, but... I thought he was going to do that for three rounds. He's just so much bigger than him. Yeah, he's chiseled like a motherfucker. But, dude, he looked terrible. I yeah. Mean, so bad. I mean, he, he is like old. He, had never, he looked like he had never thrown any punches before in his life. Yeah, it was pretty bad. He kept, he looked like uh, like a novice playing a freaking Street Fighter game or something, throwing the same combination. It was like the same two-button combination over and over again. Yeah, he was like sticking his head down and just throwing the ugliest one. Dude. Yeah, God, it was, it was like ugly right hand spin, spinning back fist. Ugly right hand spinning back fist or... Ugly kick to spinning back kick. It's just yeah, those teats were so ugly. Yeah. Oh man, he looked terrible. I mean, this was his first fight in two years. He's been trying to find Hitler for a while, and <laughs> yeah, what is he? Thirty-seven, thirty-eight. So yeah, I feel like he's done. I mean, I don't even see a point in him coming back at this point. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't see much of it either. I mean, maybe he comes back just for some money grab fights, but. God, he looked... It just blew me away how bad he looked. I mean, there was nothing good about no. this performance at all. And hey. He got beat up bad. First fight since USADA has been implemented. Yeah, as much <laughs> as he talks about it, that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if Rashad Evans' fight would have went down, Evans would have beat him, even as yeah. bad as he's looked. Yeah, with that performance, absolutely. Yeah, and how how much bullshit is it that Kelvin Gaslam's team is saying we're going back down to one seventy, even though we've missed weight there four or five times? Yeah, I'll show up on Dana's doorstep at one seventy if I have to. Yeah, okay, for one fight, and then you'll miss it the next one. He can't stay at one seventy for more than an hour; he'd be dead. Yeah, I know it's it's ridiculous this weight cutting. There's got to be something that they can do to prevent this. There's been way too many weight issues lately yeah for sure i mean there's no reason i mean he's he probably could bank 170 but he's clearly lazy and at least with this dieting and the stuff that you need to do to get down to that weight i mean it's not like he's cut or anything no. he's pretty flabby and and he's still 24 25 what's going to happen when he gets closer to 30 and that yeah. weight is harder and harder to cut he has metabolism slows down more and more as he gets older. He's got no shot at no. And he looks good at middleweight. I don't understand. Like he's he's a definitely a talented guy. He could definitely be a top ten, top five fighter at middleweight given time. And like he said, he would fight Vitor Belfort at middleweight next. That's a fight I'd love to see. Yeah, I, I think, think that's that should an be the logical step for sure. Yeah, and uh, to talk about this fight more i mean that's there's definitely another side of this like tim kennedy looked terrible but he looked kevin looked great i mean he was loose he was on his balls of his feet his punches were all very loose and smooth it was he looked really good yeah he did shit out of tim kennedy yeah man i mean he didn't panic he just withstood the pressure and yeah like you said stayed loose and stayed like strong he had great endurance i mean he was fresh the whole way um, yeah, very impressive. And that's coming off an impressive fight against Johnny Hendricks uh, at UFC 200. So maybe it's a good thing Cowboy for Cowboy that uh, he missed weight at 205. Because, yeah, man, could have been a tough matchup. If we could just keep his fucking head together and get yeah. his diet right. I mean, like, I don't want to see him at 170 either. I agree. It's total bullshit that they even mention it. But yeah. 
He's and definitely got a lot of talent. Middleweight needs a young contender more than welterweight does right now. So, yeah, I mean, there's possibilities where he could skyrocket up the rankings. He, he could, I think, a fight against Robert Whitaker would be awesome. Like, there's a, a lot of great matchups at 185 for him. But yeah, I think that's definitely the smarter choice. He is definitely kind of small at 185, but like a Luke Rockhold or a Chris Weidman, I think would school him. But yeah, yeah at this I mean, point, yeah, you can't make the weight. You can't make the weight. Yeah, and just see, if he fights Belfort, he's going to smoke him. And and then after that, he'll probably, maybe he'll reconsider and say, I'll give it a go here. But Yeah, it's kind of like Johnny Hendricks where he's like too small to be at 180. Well, he thinks he's too small to be at 185. But I would even like to see Hendricks at 185 just because I think his power would play more. We've seen yeah. this like like with Cowboy. He's He's small for 170. But it allows his strengths to be stronger in a way. I don't know. Yeah. It's just I think it's something that people have in their heads, but maybe it's not quite as bad as they're thinking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Cowboy's really not even that small at 170. I thought he'd be a lot smaller than he true, actually is. True, true. He definitely looks better than I expected. Yeah. But he's still, you could tell he was smaller than Matt Brown. He's, he's, only, he's never going to be like the bigger guy, I don't think. Yeah. He's not going to be dwarfed, but. Yeah. It surprised me how much bigger Brown looked than him. Yeah, I know. For sure. All right, the first card of the pay-per-view was Emil Meek versus Jordan Meehan. The only thing I can say about this fight is, well, other than this is Meek's UFC debut and he looked pretty good, um, this was like the trend of the prelims, was someone would come out looking great in the first round, get close to a knockout, and... Just look like they were in control, and then second and third rounds, they'd be tired and not really do anything and lose. Yeah, it was very disappointing for Jordan Mean. I mean, yeah, coming out of retirement. Up. Yeah, at a very young age. I mean, it just looked like he totally gave up and conceded to losing. Yeah, it was, it was not good. I think we know why he quit the sport for a while because as soon as he faced adversity, he kind of just threw in the towel. Yeah, it was weird. I mean, he looked great in the first round and had him on the ropes. And then the second round, like Joe Rogan was saying, he was on the ground and not making any effort to get up. And Joe Rogan was like, I think Jordan Mean is just conceded to losing this round. But then he proceeded to do it again in the third yeah, round. He made I know. no effort to get back to his feet. And it was so disappointing to watch. I was That kind of upset me. It was just like talent thrown away. I mean, it, was, it just kind of sucked. Yeah, for sure. I, mean was always a guy that I liked watching. Um, back, not not back in the day. It was a few years ago, but yeah, yeah. He put on. He's always been an entertaining guy, but he, I think we can see why now. He never really took the next step. Yeah. So, the prelim headliner was Nikita Krylov versus Misha Serkinov, two of the only prospects in the light heavyweight division going against <laughs> each other. And obviously, people had high hopes for Krylov. We just got listener feedback saying he's going to be up for a title shot next year obviously not going to be the case because Serkinov kind of pieced him up a little bit on the feet and then quickly submitted him with the guillotine uh, yeah he dropped him with a nice left hand yeah impressive performance for Serkinov I mean he looked good I don't really yeah. I don't know a whole lot to say just because I don't know if he's going to be able to do anything against the top five or so but he could be a guy that's in the mix with, like, um, OSP or maybe even Glover Teixeira type. Yeah, I mean, not everybody can be John Jones. Yeah. 
in Krylov. Very disappointing loss for him, but he's still very young, and I think he's getting better and better each time out. It's just he's he's not refined enough yet. He's just goes out there wild, throwing all this crazy shit, and it caught up to him against a more technical guy here. Yeah, he definitely like he basically walked into that left hand, and then I mean he was done for. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got to talk about Lando Venata knocking out John McDessie in the first round with with an Edson Barbosa style spinning wheel kick, which was um, just perfect. Yeah, first I wanted to just say something about uh, Auburn Mercier. I thought he looked great. Oh yeah, I was going to touch on that, but yeah, you're right. That was the best he's ever looked for sure. Yeah, I mean, he was cracking Drew Derber on the feet before he submitted him. Yeah, he pieced him up bad on the feet. It was uh, pretty impressive to watch and then. His uh, ground game showed through. Yeah. I don't know if he, in the beginning of the second round, if he actually did get dropped or if that was just kind of a tactic to get in on the ground. But either way, it worked. Yeah. I mean, he's impressive. He's got that very uh, tri-star kind of style fighting. And I think he looks better and better every fight. Yeah. Canada needs some contenders. So that that's big for them. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, Venata, go ahead and speak on that. That was incredible. I didn't see it the first time around. I saw the the replay. It was awesome. I mean, it was pretty back-and-forth fight, kind of standard McDessie fight, and then uh, he was throwing that thigh kick, that little Mm -hmm. thigh kick, and played really well off that, just threw the smoothest spin kick. I mean, there was no extra effort to that. It was flawless, basically, and... I mean, what a hell of a knockout. And you could tell that was designed. I mean, he set that up perfectly, going repeatedly to the same little thigh kick, like you said, and then as soon as he started noticing where he was dodging his head every time he did it, boom. Perfectly placed, like, amazing timing, very similar to the Barboza, and hit him right with the heel and the jaw and knocked him out immediately. Yeah, I mean, he was gone. His his eyes were in the back of his head. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean, Venata, this is a guy that a few months ago no one knew who he was and now comes in on short notice to almost beat Tony Ferguson, which would have been, like, the biggest upset of the year. Yeah. And now looked amazing knocking out a decent fighter in John McDessie. So uh, keep an eye on this guy. Yeah, it was badass. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so the night before, on Friday, we had a – Fight Pass card, which is might might be the worst card they've ever put on, <laughs> but but still there were some things to talk about. Derek yeah. Lewis knocked out Shamil Abdurakimov in the fourth round in the main event, which Very actually in the fight I didn't actually because I'm been wor- I'm a mailman and I've been working crazy hours and I was tired. I watched a few fights on this card, but I fell asleep. I missed the last couple. Uh, but I heard Derek Lewis looked really bad yeah, it for was the first very three rounds. I don't it was, know. Uh, yeah, go ahead. It was slow moving. I mean, it was the guy, uh, the Shamil, he was very unengaging, and he was just trying for takedowns the whole fight, which he got some. But, I mean, it was to the point where you don't see this very often. Uh, I, forget, I think it was Dan Mergliata. I forget who the ref was, but he actually stopped the fight and warned him to take a fight to take a point away for not fighting. Huh. Wow! And it was that slow moving, and he was very not engaged, backing up the whole time. And Derek Lewis just didn't show really. I mean, it was it was very disappointing 
not much going on. But uh, I thought Lewis was on the on his way to losing the fight, but he pulled it out in the fourth round. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I like Derek Lewis a lot. I heard after the fight he said, <clears throat> "I need to sit down for a while." That was terrible. Yeah, it was Which, very boring. Do you think it's was a case of just the opponent, or do you think it was actually just Derek Lewis's fault? Uh, maybe a little bit of both. Like I said, it was. I couldn't believe how unengaging the guy was, but then Derek Lewis didn't really do anything to... I mean, he right. could have easily charged after him and took an advantage of it, but he definitely didn't. Interesting. Yeah, maybe I'm glad I didn't stay up for it then. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Did you watch the co-main event with Francis Ngannou? Uh, Kimura, uh, getting yeah. uh, Anthony Hamilton in a Kimura? Yeah, it was pretty impressive. I mean, he, just nothing but brute strength. He had him... Um, Hamilton had it like I think he had him like his he had his hands clasped together like around his waist and uh, Francis like ripped his uh, rip apart grabbed like Kamora set up and threw him to the ground with it and proceeded to wrench his arm wow. all way behind his back I mean, so powerful Jesus I didn't and I know before, leading up to the fight. I mean, Ngannou is not a guy who's known for submissions or jiu-jitsu or anything. I think he was more of a slugger, like, just power puncher guy. So that's pretty impressive because Hamilton's not a small dude. No, it was it was very impressive how uh, strong it was. I mean, it literally looked like he was about to rip his arm off. Wow. Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou? Yeah, I mean, that seems logical. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's move on to the Tough 24 finale, which uh, was headlined by the flyweight title fight with Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson against the Tough winner, Tim Elliott. And this was a lot closer than people expected. Yeah, you got to give it to Tim Elliott, man. He came to fight. What a gritty, gutsy, weird fighter. He looks like he, uh, he got out of his trailer park and walked right into the the cage and I mean he just is so weird with his angles and he's almost like the ghetto version of Dominic Cruz in a way yeah and in this fight he actually did a lot less of that than he normally does with this whole like head down uh, running forward he he had like a sideways kind of karate stance a lot and threw definitely a lot of different stances than he kind of normally does yeah I mean he popped Johnson with I think he wobbled him at one point, and then he had him in a, a really tight choke for him a minute or two. Yeah, that first round was really impressive. He definitely won the first round, and it was shocking. I kind of knew he wasn't going to be able to keep that up, but it was it was really interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I wonder if Mighty Mouse was kind of just looking past him, not giving him enough respect, or maybe it was just, you know, he had to adjust his game plan after that first round. And whatever it was, I mean, it's almost more impressive that he was, you know, like came. He managed to win the fight regardless of how that first round went. Yeah, I think. I mean, Tim Elliott's a big one twenty five. I think it kind of surprised DJ how big and strong he was, kind of in the first round. But he was able to adjust and use his grappling to take advantage of that power. Yeah, I feel like didn't Elliott say he's going to go up to bantamweight after this? Yeah, apparently he had a really hard time with the weight cut. So I think he's he's done at 125. He's going up to uh, bantamweight, I guess it would be, yeah. Yeah. Bantam. And I guess Demetrius Johnson, what is that, uh, nine title defenses in a row now? So one away yeah. from tying the record? 
Yeah. And I guess he will be fighting Joseph Benavides for a third time because he won a pretty competitive fight against Henry Cejudo by split decision. Who did you have this fight for? I had scored it for Cejudo. I really? Thought it was, hmm. Yeah, I definitely thought he won the fight. And I was surprised to score cards. I mean, Cejudo got the point taken away, which was kind of fugazi, if you ask me. All right, let's you talk know. about that for a second because I, I loved it. I thought this is what more referees need to do more often where you you do something illegal, obvi- accidental or not, you get a warning. And you do it again five seconds later, you got to take the point. You can't just keep warning them over and over again, or else it's never you never have any cause not to do illegal shit. Yeah, I agree with that. But I mean, it's like the, the groin shots with the inside leg kick is such a, like a iffy kind of thing. I mean, it's it's really tough to say he's doing it on purpose, trying to kick him in the nuts with the no, inside leg kick. I don't think it was on purpose, but I mean, accident. Or not, it still was a foul. It still is hitting him where, you know, he's going to be have to recover and it's... Yeah, it can change the fight. It, it is, I mean, I don't know, it was just kind of You don't weird. see it often, that is true. I mean, yeah. I was surprised Brian Stan was so against it, but I feel like it, they just need to be doing this with fence grabs, everything, more often where actually take points away and maybe they'll stop doing it as much but oh yeah i absolutely agree but yeah i scored the fight for joseph benavides but it surely was very close i mean every round was like razor thin i just felt like yeah Suhuda was probably landing the harder shots but i very similar i guess to tj dillshaw versus dominic cruz where you had dillshaw and i had cruz i just feel like benavides was landing more shots and controlling the fight at at his distance and where he wanted to be more often than not. But, I mean, I wouldn't, I couldn't have argued if Cejudo would have got his hand raised, but I, I also just think that Benavides is the better overall fighter right now. Yeah, I agree. And I definitely wouldn't mind seeing this fight again. And I think we will see it again. I was very surprised that Cejudo didn't wrestle more. That was yeah. definitely, I think that was my biggest takeaway was the lack of wrestling from Henry. Yeah, and I know Benavides is great at scrambling and pretty good at getting off his back, but yeah, that's definitely an area where Cejudo certainly has the edge. Even if you can't keep him down, if you keep taking him down over and over again, that's surely going to win you points. So I was surprised by that as well. And speaking of Jorge Masvidal a little earlier, this in this fight he uh, against Jake Ellenberger he won by TKO. Very weird by uh, fence fence grab. Toe fence grab. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, really weird at the end of the fight. I mean, you don't see stuff like that often where uh, they paused the, her paused the fight and didn't call it off right away, which usually, like, when something weird like this happens in a fight and they call the fight off, like, they, it's over, it's kind of like, oh, shit, man. Like, wish they would pause it more to see if there's a way to continue the fight, you know what I mean? Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's very similar to, like, uh, I think it was Michael Chandler against Will Brooks when he kind of called timeout <laughs> while getting the shit kicked out of him. And the yeah. referee stopped it thinking something was wrong, but there wasn't. He just, you know, did something you you can't do. Yeah. This was kind of weird. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's the right thing. It's just it's just an unfortunate circumstance. And I, I, don't, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch, but I don't know if – if they're going to do it or not. It's just Masvidal seemed to be winning the fight pretty handily. I mean, he was piecing him up pretty good. 
up till that point. But yeah, Ellenberger gets his toe trapped in the cage and can't get it out. It's just he couldn't defend himself, so I guess you have to stop the fight. I mean, it was no one did anything illegal. Just yeah. a very weird, unfortunate situation. I don't think you can cut Ellenberger or even really take too much away from him from this. Yeah, it's a tough call on that, but I agree wholeheartedly with everything you said. I mean, he was piecing him up and winning the fight, but like I said, I would like to see more of this where her paused the fight rather than calling it off immediately because you can't go back on calling the fight off. Yeah. I mean, we've seen it many times where the fight probably shouldn't end it, but they waved it off and that was it. You can't go, we can't restart the fight. But I would like to see more of this where he paused, went and talked to like the rule official, and then called the fight off. Like, I would like to see more of that where they pause the fight without, like, a definite ending, just in case there's a way to restart the fight, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't see why they can't treat it like an eye poke or a groin shot where you stop the action, you figure out what's going on, and then you can put him back in the same exact position without his toe in the fence. You know, they could have put him on the ground with Masvidal, like, on top position or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, just to have the possibility of continuing the fight yeah. without the definite ending. I would just like to see more of that. I think it's it's oh, some fights that have ended in bullshit ways would have you know could have kept going. I agree. And Sarah McMahon was super impressive in uh, beating Alexis Davis on this night with a second round submission. First time Alexis Davis has ever been submitted, but this was her first fight back after giving birth to her child. So. Yeah, she know. was looking good. Yeah, too. yeah, it was a good fight. I mean, McMahon was look good on her feet. She was, I think, winning more exchanges, and then just did a terrific job getting. I think what was it, a side arm choke or ah, uh, yeah, arm triangle choke, yeah, arm triangle choke. Yeah, um, it was a pretty good fight. I mean, McMahon is someone who has always had a lot of potential with her wrestling background, and obviously got destroyed by Ronda Rousey and had trouble in some other fights, but. This was the best she's looked, I feel like, in her career. So good for her? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we got to talk about this fight. Ryan Hall defeats <laughs> Gray Maynard by unanimous decision in a very weird fight, which I actually enjoyed quite a bit, but I know you had some issues. Uh, it pissed me off to all hell. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, I mean, Gray Maynard's trying to fight, stand up fight, obviously. Who wouldn't want to stand up fight against Ryan Hall? And Ryan Hall, I called it up, me and my buddy were watching the fight, I was like, watch, Ryan Hall's going to drop the guard fucking 20 times in this fight. <laughs> and he sure did. And he did. And it's just my bone to pick here is, like, when you, like, they took the point from uh, Suhuda for the fucking uh, groin strikes. Ryan Hall was dropping the guard every time to avoid striking with Gray Maynard. And hear me out here, I mean, I completely understand the, what is the Omar Unamari or whatever you know the roll to the leg lock position mm-hmm. I understand that that's like a takedown attempt and that's completely acceptable you can do that however many times you want to do it but just dropping down a straight guard when it becomes evident that the guy's not going to follow you down to the guard I mean a warning and a point needs to be taken away in my opinion after a certain extent I mean that's just like avoiding the fight it's just I, like I said I completely understand the roll it's a leg lock because that's basically like a takedown attempt. But when you're constantly dropping the guard to avoid striking exchanges, I think something needs to be done to make the fighter engage more in the fight. I mean, you could say, yeah, Gray Maynard could follow him down, but that's, I mean, it's a legit strategy to not follow uh, 
submission expert down to his guard. I mean, why would you do that? Yeah, I obviously I told you before that I disagree to an extent, but I do agree that at a certain point, I, I don't think right away you can't warn them or take a point. But if yeah, like if it keeps happening over and over and over, definitely I could see giving a warning. And if it continues for much more after that, then taking a point. But I just thought this was great game planning by Ryan Hall. He's not going to beat Gray Maynard in a straight boxing match. He needs to get weird. He needs to get creative. He needs to make it his fight. And I feel like he did a great job in frustrating Gray Maynard and winning the striking exchanges on the feet. He slapped him with his foot a thousand times, it seemed like. I mean, I don't think Gray Maynard hit him once, and he was leg-kicking him to the head, face, body, whatever he wanted. And I don't know. I just thought certainly he has to improve his striking game, and I don't want to see him do this every time. But... I enjoyed the fight mainly because some of the fights leading up to that point were kind of just ho-hum, middle-of-the-road, you know, predictable stuff. And this was at least yeah. something different to capture my attention. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And in terms of, like, fight in analysis, like, I mean, Ryan Hall literally had nothing to have, uh, offer in terms of punches. But I could blew me away that Ryan, or Gray Maynard kept getting kept caught with his head kicked. I know, same exact thing over and over. How the hell do you keep getting caught with that? It's so, it's not even like he's like fainting no. anywhere else. It was just like, and I think it was his frustration getting to him, which let him get keep getting caught by yep. those. But, to and be even fair. the up kicks, he kept getting caught by like up kicks. Yeah. How the hell are you letting this happen? To be fair, I feel like Gray Maynard is one of the dumbest fighters of all time. Absolutely. He seems like, I mean, I don't know about as far as like his intelligence outside of the cage, but he just seems like an idiot in there. Yeah. Like even the fights against Frankie Edgar, he should have won those fights. I feel like it's his own fault that he allowed Frankie to recover and do what he did and all that. So I've never been a fan of Gray Maynard. He's got a lot of great raw ability, but does nothing with it. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, to add to that, he sounds like an idiot outside of the cage. <laughs> I haven't really heard him talk. But <laughs> I believe it, for sure. Uh, last fight I want to talk about on the tough finale was Jared Conanier versus Ian Kudabella or Kudalaba. Uh, just thought this was a great little fight in light heavyweight division. And Conanier looked awesome. <laughs> Did you see this? No, I did not catch oh, this was a guy who, I think it was only his second or third UFC fight, but he had fought at heavyweight before this and dropped down against Kudalaba, who was a guy people were high on, and he just, like, took his best shots and was giving it right back to him, just in a power of wills almost, and he came out clearly on top. I think they booked him for a fight against Glover Teixeira for UFC 208 in Anaheim before that got canceled, and I don't think that's happening anymore, but that would have been an f- awesome fight to watch. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just a guy to keep your eye on. Uh, Jared Conanier. Remember the name. Yeah. Let's move on to Ultimate Fight Night 101 in Australia. This was the card where Luke Rockhold was supposed to fight Jacare Souza, and that tragically was canceled, and we were left with Another great fight, Robert Whitaker versus Derek Brunson as the main event. Uh, did you see this one? Yeah, yeah. Awesome fight, I thought. I only lasted less than a round, but 
It's an awesome fight thanks to Derek Brunson's ridiculously bad strategy. <laughs> yeah, right. Just running in, winging punches, trying to get a knockout, you know, in every punch he threw. And Whitaker did a great job withstanding the bull rush and just being the more technical, better striker. I mean, less athletic, certainly, but he knocked him out very fairly. Uh, if yeah, he fucked him up. Yeah, he just he looked great. I think Whitaker is a guy I've liked for a while. He was at 170 for a while, got knocked out by Stephen Thompson, and now he's I think he's won four or five in a row at middleweight, and he's a guy that he deserves a, a step up after this. Yeah, it was uh, it was impressive in terms of Whitaker, and yeah, like you said, it was just so stupid. Bronson came running out. I mean, he was charging out at the start of the fight, and I mean, he almost. I, took Whitaker out it was I mean I guess it was a bad strategy but he almost had him and Whitaker withstood it very well and then he just turned it on and really fucked Brunson up <laughs> yeah and Br- I, Brunson's still a guy I like he's a very talented guy I think he's definitely got a future in the division it's just he must have just been feeling his own hype because he has gone on a bit of a knockout streak lately he knocked out Uriah Hall in the first round and he must have just been buying his own hype a little bit and was just trying to keep going for these highlight reel knockouts, which hard to blame him. I mean, that is one way to get your name out there. But I, he's still like 30, 31, I think. So I don't think he's really going anywhere. He's, his career is not over at this point. He can still rebound. Yeah, definitely. Uh, only other fight that caught my eye on this card, which was, again, a pretty terrible card, uh, was Tyson Pedro the submitting Khalil Roundtree where this guy Pedro who I'd never heard of he looks like a mean motherfucker and uh, he came he came out took Roundtree's best stuff and just looked great and popping him and then submitting him yeah and Roundtree had some hype behind him and um, like I didn't know anything about Pedro either but yeah. yeah he looked good yeah just the guy that he's his one of these performances where I'm like oh and I'll remember the face and the name and even if he's not obviously he's still got a ways to go before he's really in any kind of serious fights but just a guy that when i see him in the future on a fight card i'll i'll take note yeah definitely put him on the radar yeah uh all right we got (laughs) so many fucking fight nights over the past Uh month all right ufc fight night 100 Ryan Bader defeats Little Nog by a third-round TKO. This was super predictable, super boring. Yeah. I mean, this this fight already happened. Bader beat him before. He beats him again. It's not Beach, much to say yeah. here. I mean, Bader is top five, top seven guy at light heavyweight. Just goes to show how weak light heavyweight is. Yeah. So, Little Nog got fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He needs to retire. For sure. Uh, only two things we don't have to get into, but I just wanted to mention Thomas Almeida had a second round knockout to rebound from his loss to Cody Garbrandt. Looked good, and Claudia Galdea won a pretty resounding decision against um, Courtney Casey uh, yeah. to rebound from her loss to Ian Jacek. Yeah, it was some, there was some controversy in that fight with uh, illegal kick or something like that. Yeah, I heard about it. <coughs> eh, whatever. I don't know. This card was terrible too this is this is where i hope wma wme really does you know cut back a little bit to improve the quality just because if uh ufc fight night 100 and and fight night 99 both happened on the same day 
Which yeah. is insane. That should never happen anymore. Especially with two cards with such little note. Like, what the hell is the point? Yeah. Take the top six fights from 100 and the top six fights from 99, and you have a pretty decent little, uh, you know, fight night card on its own, but... Yeah. Whatever. I think this is just the case where they need to cut the bullshit off the roster. And... Yeah. I mean, sorry for the guys that it'll affect, but they need to just trim, like, 150 fighters off immediately. Yeah, and send them out to these other uh, promotions that need them. Yeah, exactly. I think but, it'd be uh, better for the sport overall. One thing to note is Justin Scoggins took a loss here. Oh, yeah. That was... Man, that guy, that kid is so disappointing because yep. he's a guy that has a ton of natural ability, is a guy that could certainly be a contender at flyweight, which is where he usually fights, but he took this fight at bantamweight and just... <clears throat> he is another stupid fighter where he's always winning these fights and then he'll do something stupid like leave his neck out and get submitted. It's yeah. it's annoying to watch. Low fight yeah, IQ. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, so UFC Fight Night 99 in uh, Northern Ireland, headlined by the rematch between Gegard, Musasi, and Uriah Hall. No surprise, Musasi revenges his fluke knockout. Which, I mean, I wouldn't say fluke because Uriah Hall, I mean, it was just perfectly timed shit, but Musasi is clearly a better fighter and took care of, Absolutely. Took care of his uh, dirty work pretty quickly here, knocking him out in the first round. Yeah, it was actually kind of impressive, I thought. Yeah, and Musasi's had a hell of a year, quietly. I mean, he's 4-0 in 2016, and he's, so un- he's the biggest underrated guy right now at this division. Yeah, definitely. He should be right in the conversation with the Weidmans, the Rockholds, the Jacare's. You know, he should be right there in the top five, top six, but he constantly gets shit on and gets these <clears> like <throat> top 20 guys that he has to fight over and over again. Yeah, I think he should fight Chris Weidman next. It, it be, I don't know. I don't think they're going to do that because Weidman's coming off two losses in a row and Musasi's on a win streak. They usually like to match wins with wins and losses with losses. I mean, that'd be an awesome fight. Yeah. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I think they're going to give Weidman something easier just to get a win under his belt. Yeah, you're probably right. I'd like to see Musasi fight Luke Rockhold. That would be a good fight also. Because I think... Jacare is going to fight the winner of Romero versus Bisbing. I don't even know if he needs to have a fight in between, to yeah. be honest. So. Yeah, uh, they'll probably let that happen. Yeah. Stevie Ray defeated Ross Pearson by a split decision, but I don't know why it was split. I thought it was a pretty good performance by Ray and clear victory, in my opinion. Pearson is just a guy that's gatekeeper at best now. Like, he's a guy that, uh, honestly... Should probably be cut soon if he loses another fight or two. Yeah, I agree. He's definitely got to get his shit together. He looks shopworn. He he fights a lot <clears throat> and he gets beat up a lot. So yeah, they're always grind out wars every yeah. time too. That's kind of the problem it's, when you're a tough guy. You know, you take more damage than you probably should. Yeah, he takes a lot of damage. Alexander Volkov defeated Timothy Johnson by decision. Volkov is a guy who's. Made his UFC debut after fighting with Bellator for a while. Pretty decent prospect. Still, I think, 29 or so. So, I don't know. Yeah. Heavyweight needs prospects. Yeah, for sure. Only one thing I'd have to say about this fight was the ridiculous cards. I mean, one judge, two judges had it 29-28 for Volkov, and then the other judge had it 30-27 for Timothy Young. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> crazy. How, yeah. Yeah, you know what's even crazier is when sometimes it'll be, 30-27, 30-27, 27-30. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah. I mean, 
I, this was certainly a. I thought it had to be twenty nine twenty eight either way. I had it for Volkov, but barely. So yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> judging is terrible. Uh, last fight to talk about for UFC wise is Kyoji Horiguchi defeated Ali Bagatinov on the undercard of this, which honestly could have headlined this card because yeah. those are the two best fighters that fought each other. But uh, Horiguchi looked looked great. I mean, yeah. he's a young guy. He's a talented guy. I just think he will probably fight Demetrius Johnson again at some point. I think the first time he fought him, he was just too young. He wasn't ready. Maybe one day he will be, or at least ready enough to make it a close fight. Yeah, I agree. It was definitely a clean decision win. Uh, Artem Lovbov got a win here, which Shocking. I can't stand this guy. It's yeah. the worst. And this Taruto guy he fought was a guy who's looked awesome with these highlight reel knockouts. It's pretty... I I couldn't... I was shocked by that result. Yeah, I mean, Lovbov's so fucking sloppy. It's... It's, like, painful to watch him fight. Yeah, I agree. The only reason he even has a job is because he's a training partner with Connor. Yeah, definitely. All right, real quick, I want to give a slight nod to Bellator. They had a couple decent uh, main events over the past month. Eduardo Dantas defeated Joe Warren by decision. Dantas is a guy who I have in my top ten bantamweights in my rankings, and, uh, I think he's a guy who would probably be in the five to seven range if he was in the UFC, but in Bellator, he is the man. Yeah, I didn't see this. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I didn't see it either. <laughs> but it's worth noting. Just The one fight I did see, though, was Michael Chandler defeating Ben Henderson by decision. Pretty awesome fight, actually. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, I, I thought... For Bellator standards. Yeah, yeah. I, I just thought Chandler handedly won it. And everybody yeah, was saying yeah. how close it was for Henderson. I did not think it was that close at all. I didn't think it was close either, but to be fair, it seems like whenever Henderson goes to decision, I have him losing, and then the judges have him winning. So yeah. I was surprised they saw it my way here. Chandler, of course, he's the Bellator company man. He's He's kind of their star even though he loses to the people that go on to move on to the UFC. Yeah. Um, he fucked Henderson up in the first round. Yeah, man. If Henderson was doing that stupid shit that he did the last fight where he's on his hands and his knees and he's swinging his head back and forth like a fucking maniac. I can't stand Ben Henderson. I know <laughs> I know he's a decent fighter. Uh, but, man, what's next? He's going to fight for the featherweight title in his next fight? I mean, yeah, right. They'll give it to him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He says he's going to enlist in the Army soon, so he's only got a couple fights left. So, uh, please. How old is he? He's like 33, 34. Damn. Go serve our country. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that'll do it for the reviews of the fights. Not too many fights. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we have some news to get to. Yeah. Uh, biggest news is probably the formation of the MMA AA, 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 <laughs> uh, which we kind of mentioned briefly before. This is the latest mixed martial arts union attempt with headline association. By, yeah, well, it'll be a union eventually if they could get people to join. GSP is involved. Kane Velasquez, Tim Kennedy, T.J. Dillashaw, Donald Cerrone, and Bjorn Rebney. Bjork. In Bjork. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is probably the most legit one yet. But like Ariel Hawani has said 
The fact that there's like four or five different ones out there is not a good sign. They need to join forces. You need to consolidate and just have one arm of action so you can actually yeah. get people invested. It's like they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, I truly believe that they should and will eventually have a fighters union. I just, I'm not sure it's going to work anytime soon, but I'd like to see it happen. I think they deserve more, more money. Obviously, they get shit compared to any other sport where the uh, actual owners are making hand over fist. Yeah, I agree. The uh, what do they call it? The percentage of <clears throat> the percentage of revenue needs to go higher up in the uh, fighters. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't think it needs to be 50-50 like uh, the NFL or MLB just because it's a different animal. But yeah. it certainly needs to be higher than whatever 10% or whatever they said it was now. And the guys that really it affects the most is like Patrick Cummins, who I believe is homeless right now. Uh, what? Is he really? I think I heard a story about him like being homeless and he only gets 8-8 eight and eight still on his fights. Holy like, shit. Like Nate Diaz against Michael Johnson, having twenty UFC fights under his belt, and only got twenty and twenty. Like that's the people that that it's killing, that they're killing with this stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, everyone probably deserves more than they're getting, but I feel like there needs to, the minimum needs to be higher. Yeah, I agree. And it needs to go up. Like if you have X amount of fights, the minimum should raise. But I'm sure eventually they'll get to that point, but I don't think WME is going to give in without a fight since obviously they're under strict uh, profit margins and, yeah, budgeting right now as it is. Yeah, I think this is a very long fight they've got ahead of them. Oh, yeah. This is a five-rounder for sure. Yeah, and they're just fighting amongst themselves too much and, like, they started this and then that whole lawsuit group sent a cease and desist letter to them and... Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I know. Fuck. It just so... makes it look like they're not in it for the right reasons, and they're just trying to make a quick buck or something. It's like Bjork's uh, favorite term. It's counterintuitive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't stay that guy. But um, it's like Dana White was saying. It's like there's three or four or five of these things out there, and it just comes down to whose hand you want in your pocket. And he's, you know, he, Of course, he says, if you want Bjork's hand in your pocket, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Which I kind of agree with. I mean, he got run out of boxing, like they say, and everybody that's ever worked with him pretty much fucking hates him. Yeah, it's really weird that he was there, that he's even a part of this. Like, yeah, it would have. I feel like it would have made a much bigger impact if it was just the five fighters, because these are some big names, guys that are still in the UFC, and even now with the association to the association, GSP is still in talks to return. So, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, one day, they can all get together and drink a cup of tea and settle their differences. <laughs> but for now, just another thing to add to the list. Yeah, right. All right. Well, we had Submission Underground 2. This is Chow Sonnen's jiu-jitsu uh, organization. And they had a couple interesting fights yesterday. John Jones finally fights Dan Henderson. Yeah. Just not for the light heavyweight championship in 2013. Uh, and Jones schooled him, triangled him, you know, took care of business. Predictable. Yeah, yeah who, who who didn't see this coming? Yeah, he looked about three weight classes bigger than him. <laughs> and against the aging guy, and Jones is under no, like, he's suspended, right? He's not getting drug tested. He can do whatever he wants. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's not a part of it. <clears throat> John Jones says they pay him very well, so I definitely think this was a money grab. Yeah, and he challenged Chael Sonnen after the fight, and Chael has accepted, and they will be fighting at Submission Underground 3 in, like, January or February or something. And then I saw um, Luke Rockhold came out and challenged uh, John Jones. Oh, really? Which I think would be much better to watch that than That would Chael be Sonnen. much more interesting for sure. But yeah, also Misha Tate defeated Jessica I by escape, whatever that means. Did you see it? Yes, it's the Eddie Bravo rules where the overtime is um, basically back. It's like kind of like a sudden death. Okay. You start in like either like you're on the person's back or you're in the spider web position of the arm bar. And it's basically each person gets a chance to submit the person and if nobody submits each other, it's based on how quick you escaped. Oh, okay. Yeah. I really, sh- I've never watched any of these. I- they sound pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's good. It's good rule set to avoid draws. Yeah, EBI seems like the most successful jujitsu thing going. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we talked Definitely about two hundred eight being canceled and two hundred nine in Brooklyn becoming two hundred eight. Looks like Aldo vs. Holloway will headline that. So, last piece of news. Dana White says they offered Cyborg two title fights in the inaugural 145-pound women's division and that she turned them both down, the first one because she couldn't make the weight in time and the second one for unknown reasons, which I don't know. It's it's a he said, she said, but it sounds like they're still going to work towards making this thing happen. At some point. That's bullshit from Dana White. It's definitely not unknown reason. She had, like, severe health risks her last weight cut. Yeah. Just to get down to 140 pounds. Um, she, her weight cut was so bad. She said she went to get blood tests the day after the fight or whatever, and her blood was so thick they couldn't pull it out of her veins. Ugh, that's gross. And the doctors basically said she was basically on her deathbed. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean... I'm glad they're just making the 145-pound division because why torture this woman for no real good reason? good she is, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she could be a draw for sure, at least in Brazil, and I think anywhere because if you see a woman who can strike like that, it's it's certainly going to catch your eye and Jessica eye. But but I think you're going to see, like they said, they offered Holly Holm against Cyborg the title shot but then Holmes said that wasn't the case so who knows but like I think you will see people who are great fighters or at least good fighters at 135 pounds who are going to say I'm I'm like lost here I'm trapped there's not much I can do to get to the top at 135 here's this brand new division let me go up here and see what I can do I think you would have enough fights to make it work but yeah I agree I mean I I think there's plenty of fights to have on there to create that division. I think it should have happened a long time ago, honestly. Yeah, I agree. And what was who was the other person that they said? Jermaine Durandamy? Yeah. That would have yep. been a good fight because she's pretty big for 135-pounder, good striker. I thought that Cyborg already beat her, though. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's possible. Yeah. But I think she's a kickboxer. I think they should add 145 and 125. Yeah, I agree. I definitely think the 145 should come first, but... Yeah. Um, 
Because at least you have that draw to kick it off. Yeah. I just think, what does it hurt? The more title fights you have to headline cards, the better. So let's make it happen. Yeah, they definitely need it. And um, what the hell was I going to say? I can't remember. That's all right. That's all right. Let's move on to previewing the cards. Oh, I've got a couple more pieces of news. All right, uh, yeah, let's hear it. First off, uh, well, it's, I'll start with this uh, Donald Cerrone drama with Dana White. How he called him out on his bullshit for being a part of this. Said how much money he spent on a lawyer for him and how he was so, so surprised that he didn't call him and whatnot. And they seemed seem to have squashed the beef over the weekend. I mean, there's really, this is ridiculous. This is Dana White using whatever power he has to try to get someone to not join this association. He'll say this about anyone. Oh, my God. I gave him a fight when I didn't have to, and now he's doing it. It's stupid. I'm completely on. And Cowboy, of course, immediately seems like he wants to back out of it. Because he's a guy that loves money and loves fighting and wants not to be in the bad side of the UFC. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, yeah, and I don't know, it just seems like Dana White always kind of pulls some flag bullshit like that. Yeah. <laughs> he's one of these people, you do not want him to do you any favors. You don't want to owe him anything because he'll certainly try to cash in on it. Yeah. Um, also, we didn't touch on Conor McGregor got his boxing license in the state oh, of California. Yeah. That's right. That was a big one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it's posturing, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. I don't think he's ever going to have a boxing match, at least anytime soon, but it certainly is an interesting, and I bet you it will work. He will get whatever he wants, whenever he wants it. Yeah, not that he doesn't already, but... Yeah, exactly. Apparently, he applied for one in Nevada also, but they declined him based on lack of experience. Yeah, zero experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did get in California? Which was, it is posturing, but it was, it's, it's, it's smart posturing. <laughs> but who's going to win against Floyd Mayweather in a fight that's yeah, right. never going to happen? <laughs> um, and also, they had Connor spoof on uh, SNL this weekend, which was a kind of shitty uh, skit, but... Uh, they tried. I saw a headline. I didn't actually watch it. It was kind of dumb. It was like a, a game show about how athletes spend their money on dumb shit. Oh. John Cena was the host or something, right? Well, he was He was uh, Rob, Gon- Rob Gronkowski, which is actually pretty funny. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> he kind of... Yeah. Connor was kind of bad. Yeah, that's funny. At least he's in the uh, you know limelight, the public public eye yeah and lastly what i've got oh, i've got two more things but they've set the hearing for nate diaz john jones and brock lesnar uh the next nevada athletic commission's meeting until they postpone it to a later date yeah, yeah right <laughs> okay well hopefully we'll get some kind of news out of that yeah especially. well i guess john jones did get officially suspended for one year from nevada yeah i think that's just to like officially settle it yeah, yeah. But uh be interesting to see what happens with Brock Lesnar. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> wonder if he'll ever be back. I doubt that, but I've just haven't heard anything about this whole thing since the news came out that he failed the drug test, so I just want to hear more about it. Yeah. Sounds like he's gonna have a similar excuse to John Jones. Yeah, I agree. Um my last to... thing here I don't have 
very much information on it because it just came out today, but Cole Miller was on the uh, Manila card that got canceled because of BJ Penn falling off, and apparently he had some grievances with the uh, UFC he wanted to talk to him about, and they just straight up declined to even have a meeting to hear him out. Yeah, this... And he's the guy that's talking to the MAAAA to try to maybe join up with them. I mean, it just seems like the UFC's move, just like Ally Akinta, the issues that he's having with the UFC, they're just not even giving fighters the time of day since the new ownership has come in. Yeah. He said that uh, they wouldn't even give him a reason, and he said he even tried to fly out on his own money, and they were like, no, we're not taking a meeting with you. That's insane. Yeah, it's just crazy. Talk to your employees. Talk to your players. Jesus. Even if yeah. it's, you're not telling them something they want to hear, at least give them the time of day. Yeah, that's just bullshit. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. But that, that's all I've got for now. All right. If we get any breaking news, feel free to interrupt. We didn't talk about Glory at all. That was, it was Glory card this past weekend. Was it kickboxing? Yeah. The guy broke right, his I mean, arm. There wasn't much to note about it, but the main event was Rico Verhoeven versus Badahari, which was supposed to be a super fight, but uh, Rico Verhoeven broke Badahari's arm with a knee, and it ended kind of sourly. Yeah, I heard there was fans rushed the cage to take selfies with Hari uh, before the fight even started. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Wild scene. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. But let's get to this weekend's card, UFC on Fox number 22. Headline, I mean, this is kind of a weird card. There's not really any big fights, but there's certainly, like, some interesting fights. At least, this seems like the prospect card, and then the retirement, one retirement. Yeah. But Paige Van Sant versus Michelle Waterson headlines. Uh, Paige Van Sant coming off of her highlight reel crane kick knockout on the last Fox card. So, I can understand why they want to keep her in on free TV in the public spotlight coming off Dancing with the Stars and try to get her her profile up. Who do you like here? I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take Van Zandt. Although Waterson is badass. I just think uh, I don't know if, if Van Zandt's going to end up being much bigger than her but I just uh, this is a toss. I'm going I'm I'm to retract that. I'm going to take Waterson. Based on experience and uh, technical striking. Yeah, this is a tough fight. I, I mean, it, I think it's a lot closer than at least the casual viewers are going to expect. Because Watterson, like you said, has been around. She's experienced. She's a solid all-around fighter. Got good stand-up, good submissions. She was Adam Weight champion for Invicta. But I, I am leaning towards Van Zant just because. Watterson really has gone up in weight just to be in the UFC to 115. She usually fights at 105. Yeah. Uh, and I just feel like she's going to be at a disadvantage as far as strength and size. And, and Van Zandt is getting better each time out. Her stand-up was the best it's ever looked in that last fight. But really, I think she's going to get this fight on the ground. And as she will be at risk for like a triangle or an arm bar or some kind of submission from the bottom, but I think she's going to get top control, ground and pound, and and get a TKO in the second or third round. Yeah, that's a bold, bold call there. <laughs> I'm going to take uh, Watterson by TKO in the third round. All right, all right. But uh, I, to comment on Paige, man, I think that Rose fight just did 
miles for her yeah career i mean her experience and i think she grew a whole lot in that fight that's another one where yeah she got freaking dominated but her stock went up just from her toughness and she had to learn a lot from that yeah and it was really surprising those arm bars man how tough yeah. she was in those arm bar attempts yeah she's not gonna quit like our next guy up sage northcutt versus mickey gall <laughs> in the, i think this is the co-main event um yeah, it is. Mickey Gall coming off of his star-making turn as CM, CM <laughs> Punk's killer. Fight. Yeah. Dominated CM Punk. Called out Sage Northcutt in the post-fight press uh, interview and got his wish. Sage Northcutt, who is are making more money than, like, 85% of the UFC's roster despite having four fights and... Not exactly living up to the hype in the last couple, but he did win his last one. Um, yeah. Super athletic kid, super young, 21 or 22 years old, and he's got all the raw abilities. It's just a matter of refinement. And Mickey Gall is also, I believe, 22 years old and has a lot of good skills to uh, to build upon. So tough call here as well. Um, I think I'm going to go with Mickey Gall. I just feel like we've seen Northcutt struggle too much against quality jiu-jitsu, and I think Northcutt's going to come out strong, maybe win a close first round, and then Mickey Gall's going to find a way to get him on the ground, and just, I think he's going to run laps around him, honestly. I think he's going to submit him any way he wants in the second round. Wow, that's a bold call there. You know, that's what I do. <laughs> but man, Sage Northcutt looks like he's goddamn chiseled out of marble, man. It's crazy. Yeah. He's got the physique of fucking Superman. <laughs> but then he lost Brian Barberina, who looks like a freaking uh, caveman, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'm going to go the opposite here. I think Sage Northcutt is absolutely going to school Mickey Gall. I think he's, like I just said, take him to school. I think he's going to run circles around him. I think his uh, karate and his technical striking is going to be too much for Mickey Gall to handle. I think he's going to be able to stuff Mickey Gall's takedown attempts, and I'm going to say he TKOs him in the second round. <laughs> I'm now I'm even more interested in this fight. Yeah. Is Sage Northcutt going to rip an apple in half after the fight? He's going to rip his fucking head off. <laughs> Did you see the videos with him yeah. ripping? I saw apples the first one. Uh, or he smashed it in the sands. Yeah, I don't get it. I mean, yeah. what a weird guy. I mean, I think he's going to be good at some point. I just think it's going to take longer than they want to get him there. Yeah. And I think Mr. Rogan. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Mickey Gall is a good prospect. I really think he's – they lucked into into this situation with him. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got a lot of potential. I just think he's too green and – I mean, we've seen him fight two fucking nobodies. True, true. This is certainly a bigger test. Yeah. I wonder who he would call out if, after this if he wins. You know yeah, he's got right. someone in mind. This is going to be his new thing, right? Yeah. Uh, it works. Yeah. Yeah. Cowboy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> All right. So next up we have Uriah Faber in his swan song, his retirement fight against... He's already said, uh, maybe. Oh, really? Is that right? Yeah. Oh, damn. Okay, well... Again, They're definitely running with the selling of it. Yeah. Again, I guess you could always come back from it. But Brad Pickett is his opponent, which I think is a, a really good move here. If it is going to be his retirement fight, 
he should easily beat Brad Pickett, who's a decent fighter, or at least he was, and he's still kind of tough, can throw hands, but Faber, while he has get, certainly deteriorated a little bit here recently, should have no problem taking care of Brad Pickett and going out on a high note. I think that's all this is. You're right, Faber, great career, never won the biggest fights in his career, but he's certainly a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I think he's a showing for the Hall of Fame and he's a company man. I don't think it's as easy as you're making it out to be. I think it is a good choice for him to have a good go at a fight, but I think it's going to give him a little bit more of a test than what you're saying. Hmm. I think rear naked choke round three. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to go to the decision. Yeah, I could see that too. I I don't know. I'm not super... This is like the fight I'm least looking forward to on the main card. Yeah. But the... I'm not really... I mean, I'm not heartbroken over the fact that Uriah Hall is retiring by any means. No, no. I mean, I, Uriah Faber. <laughs> yeah, but either one. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, Faber's a guy I used to like, but it's just the same old story. Each time out, he's getting predictable. I think he'll have a great career as a as a coach or whatever he really wants to do. Yeah, just, I mean, his lack of strategy in that dumb, like, cruise fight and how bland he looked really just, I'm just sick of it. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm kind of with you there. Um, all right, yeah. so first fight on the main card of the Fox Network <laughs> event is Mike Perry versus Alan Joban, which is kind of crazy that this is on a main card, but it is, it is going to be an entertaining scrap. I mean, both guys that take a yeah. lot of damage and give a lot of damage. Mike Perry is the racist villain of the UFC, while <laughs> Joban is like the pretty boy model who is like the, the baby face. This is the most professional wrestling fight they could make. What do you think? Yeah. Um, I don't know too much about Joe Band. Mike Perry's the guy that's got some uh, good knockout streak going, right? Yeah, he's got platinum tattooed on his head or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be maybe an interesting, interesting throwdown fight. I'm going to take Mike Perry by knockout in the first round. Me too. I agree. <clears throat> Joe Band is a guy who, he's either going to knock you out or get knocked out. He's all about an entertaining fight. I'm sure you've seen him. If you, When you see him, you'll you'll recognize him. But Yeah, I've definitely heard the name. He's a guy who he just lets loose. I mean, he's always entertaining, throws bombs, takes bombs, and I think Mike Perry has a little too much power for old Allen, so yeah. I'm, I agree with you here. Uh, Man, they got Eddie Wyland and uh, Mizugaki is on the fight pass. Yeah, I know. That's the next fight I was going to talk about, actually. That's a pretty yeah. good fight. Uh, Eddie Wineland, I think, coming off a win... He's kind of fallen off, from my view, since he lost to Hennon Burrell in that title fight. But uh, yeah. Mizugaki is on a bit of a losing streak, but against the best of the best, Cody Garbrandt, Dominic Cruz, you know, the guys that are fighting for the title next. So this is a, a close, fun scrap. I think I'm actually leaning Mizugaki, who's a bit of an underdog when I looked at the odds. But I just feel like he's the tougher guy who's just more well-rounded, He's gonna. He's could be decent on the feet. Obviously, if it stays on the feet the whole time, Wyland is certainly capable of knocking him out. But I feel like Mizugaki's gonna out wrestle him, bust him up a little bit, win a decision. 
Yeah, I don't think you're too far off there. I just think Eddie Wineland, the way his stance and his fighting style where he keeps his chin sky Straight high up. in the air, it's just like, I don't know, I just don't think it's a very uh, dur- like uh, long-lasting fighting style. Yeah, I agree. I think, we've, I think we've seen the best out of him, as it is already, so I'm going to take Mizugaki by decision. Yeah. And last fight to talk about here, uh, Sage Northcutt killer Brian Barbarina is back at it against another prospect in Colby Covington. Uh, Barbarina is making a bit of a name for himself as not only the Northcutt killer, but more of a prospect killer because in his last fight, he took out Worley Alves, who was a guy who was undefeated before then and has since lost another fight. But Barbarina, not a pretty fighter to watch, but... Gets the job done. Great, all you know, gritty, tough, all-around guy. I think he trains with Benson Henderson and Mike Chiesa and those guys. So certainly got some chops. And Colby Covington is like this all-American wrestler prospect guy. So interesting, interesting stuff here. Yeah, it's a good matchup. Um, who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to go with Colby Covington. I think Barbarina's time... He's not going to get past this one. I, I'm probably going to be wrong here, but uh, I just think Covington's too strong. I think he's learned from the loss he had a couple fights ago, and he's going to win a close decision. But it's going to be a borderline ugly fight, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is going to be anything to write him about either. Um, I think we've seen the best out of Barbarina in that Sage Northcutt fight. And I think Colby Covington is going to be able to out-wrestle and handle it and take an easy decision. Yeah, I could see that because that's what I kind of predicted. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the the card to close out the year, at least the UFC card to close out the year, as we'll talk about. But this is December 30th in Las Vegas, the return of Ronda Rousey, Rowdy, 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 against Amanda Nunes for the yes, Bantamweight The ugliest human change. being on the planet. Who, Nunes? Yeah. Ah, oh, come on. She's hideous. But she's a beast, so this is going to be a great fight. A um, lot of storylines coming in. I think one of them is how many pay-per-views is this going to sell because Conor McGregor has, cr- has proved what he can do. I think... It's not going to get much bigger for Rousey as far as she can go. Coming off the loss a year off, every year off. I feel like, you know, she's on all the big primetime stuff like Ellen. And she gets a lot of exposure outside. And can she redeem herself? A lot of, a lot of interesting stuff here. Do you think it'll break a million? Uh, it's tough to say. It's either going to do really well or very average. I mean, it's a good card. It's got a great lineup. It's got two title fights, and they've got Kane and Fabricio and TJ Dillashaw, John Lineker, which is a great fight. And I'm going to say it does about 800. But, Still I mean, yeah. That's a possibility to sell really well. I just don't know how interested everybody is with Return of Ronda. Just because the way she's kind of gone radio silent. She won't do any MMA media interviews. She's doing all entertainment uh, yeah. interviews. Yeah, I feel like she's shooting herself in the foot here because if she really got behind the MMA media and really would just be honest just the way Connor was when he lost to Nate, like just be open and let your vulnerabilities show or whatever, you know. Like this 
I don't know how much it's going to affect because I think the the casuals are much more to do with like these huge pay per view numbers. But I don't know. I feel like she is limiting herself as far yeah. as her star potential as a as an athlete is. As far as a personality, maybe I don't know. But yeah, I agree, and I think that was where Ronda like had a big draw was with a lot of casuals because she had all that media behind her with the talk shows and the movies and all I think like Connor he's got a lot of hardcore fans and a lot of fans in general I just I feel like Ronda had a more casual draw than Connor does yeah and she's such a turtle front runner in every sense in the cage outside the cage if she wins this fight she'll be talking to the MMA media again and talking about how you you should have never doubted me blah 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 yeah. and even in the cage as far as the actual fight goes She's someone that needs to be the bully. She needs to be in control, have the confidence. And that's where this is interesting because you got to think her confidence is shot. Just even look at the face-off thing that they did during UFC 205 weigh-ins or, or press conference. Uh, she's running away before they could talk to her. and Apparently she was like, crying backstage. Just insane. <laughs> what what yeah. the hell? But... And Amanda Nunes is an, is very similar in that respect. She is someone who is a fast starter. Usually it looks amazing in the first round, round and a half, before she starts to kind of tire. And I think as far – but she's more of a striker, whereas Rousey's obviously looking for that armbar. It's going to be a very interesting style matchup here. Yeah, I've just – I've never been as least interested in somebody as I am. Amanda Nunes. I mean, she has literally zero appeal to me. Hmm. I just, I don't, I don't like hearing her talk. I don't like, I don't, I just don't like anything about her. Huh. She's been someone I've been, I've been keeping an eye on, even from her Strike Force days. I just think, I've been thinking she's going to be a, you know, a title challenger for a while now. One of my favorite fighters in this weight class. I'm glad she beat Misha Tate, and uh, I'm rooting for her here. I hope she knocks Ronda Rousey clear out of, you know, the stadium or whatever. But wow, really? Yeah, but if I'm thinking about what I think is going to happen, I, I think Nunes is going to be too aggressive. This is exactly what Rousey, you know, exploits the best is when someone is aggressive and pushing forward, where she can just toss her. Submit her, yeah. armbar, armbar her. Where she faltered with home is Holly was much more patient and and just being counter and uh, letting Rousey be the aggressor and run right into her stuff. So I think this is going to be much more of the Ronda that we we were used to seeing before Holly Holm knocked her out. I say Ronda Rousey by armbar in one minute and forty three seconds. Yeah, I completely agree. I think uh, Amanda Nunes is going to play right into Ronda's hand. I think Ronda's going to be super prepared for this fight. She's working her ass off. I don't think she's going to crumble under the pressure. That's just not her style. I think Amanda Nunes, like you said, she's going to come out real strong and real aggressive, and she's going to play right into Ronda's strength, and she's going to judo toss her to the ground and maybe even, uh, like Sarah McMahon style, like knock her out with right off the first judo throw yeah yeah i could see that i actually think nunez is going to land something flush really early in the first 30 seconds 30 to 60 seconds if people are going to be like oh my god here we go again 
And then when she kind of goes in to try to finish it off, she's going to get tossed and submitted. That's my prediction. Yeah, I'm somewhere along those lines. I don't know if she's going to catch Ronda or not. But, yeah, I think she's going to play right into her hand, get Judo tossed, and probably submitted. And I think it's going to be... Yeah, I think it's going to be better for the sport if Rousey wins and she can get back to her mountaintop, you know, because there's some pretty good matchups left even still, like the winner of Valentina Shevchenko and, um, shoot, what's-her-face from uh, uh, Juliana Pena. The winner of that, I think, would be an interesting fight against Rousey. Obviously, you have the home rematch sitting right there, so... I'm, I could, it's win-win for me. Obviously, I know you're rooting more for Rousey, but yeah, it's just so many interesting things that could come out of this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see her come back, and I'm rooting for it. She's had a rough year. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so co-main event is incredible as well. You got Dominic Cruz, probably top three pound-for-pound fighter in the sport right now, in my opinion, against Cody Garbrandt, the undefeated up-and-coming knockout artist who might be getting the title shot a little too quickly a lot of people myself included thought tj dillashaw should have got the rematch first since that fight was so close in january but it's really hard not to get excited about the possibilities here with you know team alpha male the whole rivalry that Cruz has always had with those guys these guys have beef of course the way they did the uh, little confrontation after Garbrandt knocked out Mizugaki at, what was it, UFC 202, I believe? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, um, th- interesting fight. What do you think? I, I agree that TJ should be in this fight, and it's too early for Garbrandt, but uh, I don't think he poses really any threat to Dominic Cruz. Dominic, I mean, Garbrandt's just got these wild... I mean, they're hard punches, but they're just wild hooks. And geez, I mean, it's like an Eddie Wineland and his stance. Yeah. In a way, and I just think that plays right into Dominic Cruz's style, where he dances around you and picks you apart. I kind of, I tend to agree. Uh, I've become a huge Dominic Cruz fan uh, in the last year or so, which is kind of crazy because I used to hate him. Used to hate. His, I was used to think he's running away and winning on bullshit points, but now I find him immensely entertaining. Um, and I just I think he's going to pick Cody apart. Like I said, I just think it's too early. I think if Garbrandt had another fight or two, give him another year, <clears throat> and maybe he could still get a rematch if he loses here eventually. But uh, he, of course, has the possibility of a one-punch knockout, and I hope that Cruz at least faces adversity to make it entertaining. Yeah. But uh, Cruz has just got too good of footwork. He's too quick. He's been through... So many paces already. I don't think Garbrandt's going to give him anything he hasn't seen before. Uh, just hope that, uh, I don't know, Bantamweight's so entertaining right now. No matter who wins between Dillashaw and Lineker, if they fight Cruz next, that'll be awesome too. So, yeah, I think Cruz wins by decision, like 50-45, 49-46. Yeah, I agree. And um, I, I agree with you also where I was never a big Dominic Cruz fan. But I've come to like him, even though like I'm a huge TJ Dillashaw fan. And I definitely thought he won that fight, which made me not like Dominic Cruz even a bit more. But I have, I mean, you got to appreciate him. He's a great fighter. He's great yeah. at what he does. Yeah. It's his, impossible to hit. His only loss, he revenged. Um, yeah, I mean. I mean, he's beat uh, DJ, right? Yep, yeah, he beat the 
pound for pound best already. Obviously, it was at a different weight class, but yeah. But uh, I mean, you just I think you just gotta appreciate greatness where it's due. And yeah, the way he came back from these incredible knee surgeries, away from the sport for like two, three years, and come back just as good as he was before. It's insane, if not better. Yeah, for sure. And um, I agree with you with how the fight's gonna play out. I think it's gonna be about a fifty forty five decision. And I don't think Cody Gamebrand really poses any threat to Dominic Cruz. Yeah. Uh, next up, another great, great fight. Another, well, I guess not another, but a rematch. Cain Velasquez versus Fabricio Verdum. Except this time it's sea uh, level Kane. What's he going to do? <laughs> uh, a great fight. I mean, an awesome fight. Verdum obviously lost the title to Stipe. But I think that was just more bad strategy than like him slipping or losing his ability because he's come back and beat Travis Brown pretty handily. And Velasquez came back and beat Travis Brown pretty handily as well. So uh, this is tough to call because the first fight I felt like was pretty entertaining, fairly close. Verdum whittled him away and finally finished him in the fourth round, I believe. And um, I kind of feel like Kane's going to get this one back. This is the one I had. It's basically a coin flip for me. I have a hard time deciding. But as long as... Actually, you know what? I've changed my mind. Because Kane has talked about publicly already that he's got surgery scheduled for immediately following this fight, win or lose. So that to me, I mean, he just can't stay healthy. He looked healthy against Travis Brown, but... I don't know. I I'm changed my mind because I, I thought this was so close before I remembered that fact. So I think Verdum, it's going to be kind of similar. I think he doesn't. he's not obviously going to get to a fourth round, but I think he'll either win a decision or win a late stoppage. Yeah, I agree. Um, sorry, I was clapping at the Ravens game. But uh, <laughs> I did think the first fight was close at all. I thought Fabricio Verdum fucking destroyed him. Yeah. Yeah. And he beat him up real bad. I was being generous with the close. Yeah. But, I, I mean, yeah, I've heard that Cain Velasquez is in an excruciating amount of pain during this camp, and that's why he's already said he's going in right into surgery. But uh, I don't know if how much to play into that whole C-level bullshit. But, uh, no, yeah, that's crazy talk. Because they were both fighting at the same altitude. So Yeah, and, but, I mean, Verdun was out there way before, but... Um, uh, what the hell? saying here i'm losing my track uh i think Cain velasquez looked incredible at ufc 200 yeah, i mean he did spinning kicks and shit i mean of course it was travis brown but uh i th- I, I think he's gonna come back with a vengeance here i think fabricio redeem's blown his load and <laughs> i think velasquez is gonna put a beating on him i could certainly see that obviously that's where i was going before i remembered the surgery thing yeah but uh that's going to suck, though, if Velasquez wins and he's next for title shot and gets surgery, and who, how long is he going to be out? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's just the tale of his career, right? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, yeah, I think he's going to put a beating on Verdum. I think Verdum is spent and is close to retirement. Huh. Velasquez might be close to retirement, too, with his injuries bug. But I think he's going to put a beating on him within two rounds. Yeah, certainly an interesting fight. Uh a lot of different possibilities. Like a lot of these fights on this card are, other than Cruz Garbrandt, are things where I could just see like three or four different possibilities in in every one. There's no like slam dunks other than Cruz. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, next up, speaking of 
like weird, cool uh, matchups with different styles. TJ Dillashaw takes on John Lineker, which uh, this is another one like Holloway Pettis before that got moved to the main event where I would love this to be five rounds instead of three. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dillashaw, clearly the more technical guy, quicker guy. He's, he's. I mean, he's practically champion. I mean, that was so close between him and Cruz. I gave it to Cruz, but could have seen it either way. Dillashaw, he's just he's blown my expectations out of the water. He's certainly great, but John Lineker, no slouch himself, with some huge wins after coming up from flyweight to bantamweight. Uh, just recently beat John Dodson in an incredible fight. Knocked out Michael McDonald. Knocked out Rob Font. I mean, he's a big one of the biggest power punchers for these lower weight classes. And I am very interested to see what happens here. What do you think? Yeah, this is a great fight. And before I even knew this matchup was actually scheduled, I had it in for my fantasy matchup. Yeah, I remember but, that. But uh, I think T.J. Dillashaw is just all around, much more round, well-rounded fighter, and um, he's got better coaching behind him. And I mean, John Lineker's got hands of stone, so there's definitely definitely can't look past him. But I just think T.J. Dillashaw is all around, much better fighter, and he's got a great chin. And uh, I think he's—I mean, John Lineker, I think, is a bit shorter than him. Yeah, yeah. could be wrong, but uh, I feel like he is. I think. It, T.J. Dillashaw is going to take him to school here. I mean, it'll probably be a good close fight, but I think T.J. Dillashaw is going to pull out a nice decision win here. I could certainly see that. I think that might even be the most likely outcome. Uh, but I'm going Lineker. I, I feel like he's going to catch him at some point. Because Dillashaw is not a guy who is going to run away from him. He's going to engage. He's going to be aggressive. And, yeah, he's quick and he's evasive. But you saw in the Cruz fight, like, whether no matter who you thought won, I think it's pretty clear that at least early on when they were both fresh, Dillashaw was getting caught more often than Cruz was as far as these yeah, quick exchanges. And he Dillashaw hits harder than Cruz, but I just think he might be a step too slow. And I don't know if he's going to have the jaw of a John Dodson where he could take some of these shots that, that Lineker's going to throw out there. So I think I give Lineker that 45 a 40% chance of catching Dillashaw and finishing the fight and I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say he does it and I'm just a big Lineker fan as well and I want to see if Cruz can take a shot from him So, yeah that's definitely a possibility and uh, like Dillashaw throws a lot of his body head combos where he's in range for probably a bit longer than he should be and leads himself to be caught so that's definitely a possibility i could see that happening and he did get caught by john dodson in the tough finale when they were fighting for that championship he got caught he was beating dodson i believe got hit and submitted um if i'm remembering quick correctly but uh you know what the perfect scenario though is cruz wins dillashaw wins we can finally get that rematch to one of the best fights of the year and cody does Cody Garbrandt versus John Lineker would be an insane fight. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Or, hey, say Garbrandt catches Cruz and Lineker catches Dillashaw for the belt. I mean, I want to see those two guys go at it at some point. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, wow. I'm just getting excited just thinking about it. Yeah, that would be a great fight. I never even thought about that. Next up, Jessica Andrade versus Marnia Moroz, who... I haven't seen a lot of, but I know 
I keep hearing that she's like a good prospect, a good fighter, but this just seems like a weird matchup for Andrade, who I feel like could just be given the title shot without even having this fight. Or, And if they were going to make her fight again, why not give her someone a little bit higher up in the rankings? I, I, maybe it's just a showcase so that they can set up the title fight. To me. And certainly I'm contradicting myself as far as they said no slam dunks on this card because this certainly feels like one to me. Yeah, it's kind of like a lose-lose for Andrade. Yeah, she's best better go out there and walk right through her. Yeah, she does not have much to gain out of this, besides the paycheck. But and it's also kind of weird the fact that this is opening up this huge pay-per-view when there are other fights that could sit yeah, here. Fights, this card's actually pretty st- awesome. Yeah, I mean, at it. I, they must know something that I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen Moreau's fight a lot. I think I've seen her once or twice and can't remember much, so... Maybe they know something, and they think it's going to be an all-action war, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know much better either, but I think Andrade is going to handily take yeah. her to I've town. I've just been so impressed by Andrade since she dropped down to 115. Yeah. I actually think she's going to be Joanna's toughest fight to date if she, if she gets, the, gets the title shot. Yeah, I agree. All right, but yeah, so the prelim headliner... Is Johnny Hendricks in what he threatens to possibly be his last fight? Uh, I think he said. Yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, he's going up against Neil Magny, certainly no joke at welterweight. Um, yeah, I think this is a super interesting, super close fight. It's to me, it all depends on this is inconsistency, inconsistency versus consistency because Neil Magny is the same guy every time out, win or lose. He's super solid, all around fighter. You know what you're going to get. You know. And Johnny Hendricks can look amazing and beat, quote-unquote beat, judges didn't see it, but beat uh, the best fighter in the weight class's history, maybe the sports history in GSP, and then come out and look like sloppy and fat and weird. <laughs> I don't, I can't even explain the way he's looked recently uh, and with blowout losses against Gastelum and, and Wonderboy. Steve's house, yeah. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I think Thompson Laws took it out of Johnny Hendricks, and he really just doesn't have the fire in him anymore. And certainly he cha- changed, he changed teams, and he hasn't—he's looked like shit ever since. Yeah. And uh, I think, like Neil Magny, when he fought uh, Hector Lombard and survived that fucking beatdown. I mean, yeah. He's a tough guy. So I think um, I don't think Johnny Hendricks offers anything more than what uh, Hector Lombard put on a Magny in that fight. So. I don't know. I think Magny's going to be able to easily survive. Yeah. To, like I said, if the trend continues, I think Magny will take care of business here, win a decision, or maybe even get a late stop. It's just because Hendricks just looks like he does not want to be out there. No. Uh, he looks like the weight cut is maybe he's not taking it as seriously. I wouldn't be surprised if he missed weight badly here. Uh, yeah, it's such a hard weight cut for him, and the way he does diet with all those fucking yeah. deer meat and he shit. Just, I mean, he looks zapped in the last couple fights. Even just in the cage, looks like he's dead on his feet when a fight even starts. So, I think a lot of that has to go with like the IV ban, and mm-hmm. like it takes so much out of him, and then he can't replenish with an IV. He's got to do it naturally. I just think he's spent before he even starts the yeah. fight. But if he's motivated, and if he is the Johnny Hendricks to fought Robbie Lawler twice. He wins this fight easily. But yeah, I, I, I just I don't think he's going to be that guy. Yeah, I think that one's left the building long ago. Yeah. Well, another interesting welterweight match on our hands here. We got Dung Hyung Kim, 
finally getting a fight after uh, Gunnar Nelson got pulled out from under him. Fighting Tarek Zafandine, another solid welterweight who had some injury issues, but he's pretty solid. He's won a bunch of fights, so good stand-up fight here. I think um, Dong Hyun Kim probably has more power, but Safadine's a more technical guy. Who do you like? This is a good fight. I mean, it's pretty two like very standard welterweight guys who've been around the block. Yeah, top um, fifteen guys. Safadine's got great kickboxing. Dong Hyun Kim, he's a nice solid fighter. I think Safadine's going to pull out a nice win here. He needs it. He's had a lot of injuries and he hasn't been able to fight very often but I think he'll be able to pull out a decision whenever Kim here yeah I could see it this is another close toss up but I'm leaning Kim here I think Kim is going to be able to he's actually a pretty underrated wrestler he fought Nate Diaz when Nate Diaz tried to go up to 170 and he just manhandled him I mean he's a strong guy he kind of fallen in love with the striking recently but if he can get back to the basics and just wrestle ground and pound, I think Safadine is very susceptible to something like that. So if he can get yes. to the ground, he's going to win, and I, I think he'll win a decision. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. <laughs> I think that's definitely a possibility. I just think maybe uh, Safadine will use his kickboxing to pull out a win here. I can certainly see that. Um, last one to talk about, I guess, Tim Means versus Alex Oliveira. Oliveira coming off a huge win against Will Brooks, and Tim Means is just old Dirty Bird himself, always tough. Yeah. So, pretty underrated fight here early on in the card. Yeah, Tim Means looked really good in his last fight, if I'm recalling correctly. Yeah, um, coming off the little suspension, it was kind of like a miscommunication or whatever. Yeah, he looked really good in that fight, and uh, Alex Oliveira, I think he lost his last fight, didn't he? No, he knocked out Will Brooks. Oh, yeah, you're right, he did. Came in Um, overweight and stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is a good fight here. I think uh, that's really a toss-up to me. It's so weird because one's like this stocky, powerful guy, and the other one's like tall, lanky, all bones. Yeah. But they're both good strikers, so. Yeah, absolutely. I think Tim Means is going to ride his momentum and uh, TKO Alex Oliveira in the second round. I say Alex, Alex Oliveira wins a, uh, gets a third-round knockout and does the old crotch chop yet again. It becomes his <laughs> new signature move. So, I don't know. I think Oliveira's going to win. Just kind of to be different from you because I don't know. It's tough. Yeah, it's a toss-up. And I guess quickly, since World Series of Fighting thinks they're so important to have a New Year's Eve daytime card in New York City with four title fights on the docket, we should probably give him the time of day. Yeah. First up in the main event, Justin Gaethje, undefeated lightweight champion against Jao Zeferino. Uh, I think Gaethje will take care of business as he always tends to do, knockout first, second round. And I think he is a free agent after this fight, so I would love to see him join the UFC. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a great fighter. I don't know if they're gonna let him go to join the UFC, but it's a possibility, I suppose. Yeah, they certainly re-signed Marlon Marias, which I was I was predicting and hoping that he was coming over to the UFC because he's an awesome fighter. But I just think Gaethje's got nothing to prove. It's much like Marias, but maybe they'll offer him enough money to keep him. But I just would love to see him against some real competition for once. See if he has anything. Yeah. 
I, I don't know much about uh, competition here, but he's a solid fighter, and he always seems to pull out the win, so I think I don't see any reason to see why he can't keep doing that. Agreed. And the next title fight is probably the fight that most UFC fans are most looking forward to, two ex-UFC contenders, John Fitch versus Jake Shields, two of the most boring yet dependable in their day fighters, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. This Super interesting, maybe five years too late, but yeah. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? I thought this fight had already happened. I guess it I was, was scheduled, and then Shields got like something happened with the contract dispute where Shields dropped out. Okay, yeah, this might, like you said, this could be five years too late. But it is a good fight. It's an interesting fight in terms of World Series of fighting. And you said they're both very similar fighters. I think Jake Shields' jiu-jitsu is a bit better than John Fitch's wrestling game is, but John Fitch could also just lay on top of Jake Shields the old fight. But, I mean, I just think Jake Shields is striking and Jiu-Jitsu is a lot better than John Fitch's. So I think Jake Shields is going to be able to take it to Fitch. I agree. Uh, certainly this is not going to be a fight of the year. But for hardcore fans, it is just one of those fights that has kind of been, like, <clears throat> circled around forever. And it's finally happening. Uh, both tend to be very boring but are both very solid. I, I agree. that It's the jiu-jitsu for Shields. I think... And Fitch seems like... I haven't really seen him much since he left the UFC, but towards the end of his run, he was kind of slipping in that regard as well. So I'll take Shields by a late submission or something like that. Yeah, I agree. And speaking of Marlon Marais, he's up next with the Bantamweight title against Jose Naldo Silva. <laughs> Is that a Jose Aldo wannabe? <laughs> like right. Jose Naldo. What a weird... First name, but I've never heard of him. I'm sure Marias will take care of business, piece him up, knock him out. Yeah, he's a really good fighter. I think he's going to demolish him. Yeah. And lastly, the middleweight championship is David Branch versus Luis Taylor. Actually, I've never seen either one fight. David Branch, I'm pretty sure, is the light heavyweight and middleweight champion. Yeah, he is. So, and I know, actually, I think I've seen him fight in the UFC a while back. He's a guy that washed out of the UFC only to become a two-division champion at World Series of Fighting. So I don't know what what that says, if he's gotten that much better, if it's just the competition. But I guess I'll take Branch. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how you can. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so let's get to the last thing on our checklist is our top five for the... Oh, real quick, I just want, we didn't... Risen's got a New Year's Eve oh, tournament, shit. which okay. seems pretty interesting. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, uh, the first day, uh, let me make sure I've got this in the right order. December 29th and December Is this 31st. Crow Crop yeah. on this one? Huh? Is Crow Crop on this one? Uh, he was supposed to fight Vanderlei Silva, and Vanderlei Silva just pulled out. Wow, okay. <laughs> but it's a tournament. Um, they've got Shane Carwin in it. Um, oh, yeah, that's right. Two days apart, but it's like a tournament. We're looking for some interesting names. Um, nobody, nobody. Darren Krushank's fighting some Japanese guy. Um, Shane Carwin's fighting Amir Ala Akbari. Okay. Um, which probably Shane Carwin will probably destroy him. Uh, and that's. Uh, I think they're still trying to find uh, Crow Cop another uh, fight which I'm sure they'll throw a nobody in there with him. But that would have been awesome to see him fight Vanderlei Silva. I mean, we'll talk about a mismatch. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'll certainly be keeping track of what's going on with Risen. At least it's going to be entertaining, if nothing else. But that was the first day, and then the second fight, we've got Gabby Garcia fighting 50-year-old Shinobu Kandori, <laughs> which oh is God. crazy. You know who uh, Gabby Garcia is, right? She's like the monster of the female. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's fighting like a 60-year-old or something. Yeah, she's fighting like a 52-year-old woman. Uh, then when Charles Crazy Horse Bennett's coming back and fighting Kimura, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they've got Kron Gracie fighting Kawajiri. That's interesting. Yeah, that's probably the best fighter of the bunch. And the, 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 the tournament's got to play out to figure out the rest of that card, but it's interesting. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, so I guess now... Oh, uh, I don't know if you mentioned it in the last podcast or not, but Fedor's fighting Matt Mitrione and Bellator. Yeah, that's super weird. I, mean, it's, I think it's pretty far off, but I just figured it was worth mentioning. Yeah, certainly. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I'll be watching it. Yeah, Be- Bellator's sure. got my uh, my views there. Yeah. All right, finally, to our top five of of this week's episode. Top five knockouts of all time in honor of yeah. the two spectacular knockouts by Donald Cerrone and Lando Venata, respectively. Just figured what better time. You had to do it eventually. Let's do it now. Uh, neither one made my list or honorable mentions, even though, I mean, there's certainly – like up there for this year's knockouts of the year. I just think yeah. it's too soon to know, you know. Yeah, for sure. Maybe with time and perspective, maybe they could at least come close to this list, but for now, they're on the sidelines. Yeah, I agree. Kick it off with your number oh, five. All right. Um, my number five is going to be Holly Holm knocking out Ronda Rousey. I suspected you would have this. Yeah, it's an honorable mention for me. Yeah, it's. Uh, just, I just figured the significance. And it was. I mean, it's a pretty good knockout. Also. Yeah, certainly. But, I mean, uh, the biggest stage. You know, the biggest upset. Just everything. The the theater of it all. Yeah, just beat the shit out of her, and then with that head kick, just finished it off. Yeah. The reason that Ronda Rousey is depressed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I. Knockouts are always great. Everyone loves a knockout. It's something that the casual fans. This is the stuff that will be on Sports Center, just like Lando Venata's uh, knockout was. You're not going to see probably a six submission or an incredible fight make the highlights, but a knockout. That's the one thing that gets everyone's attention. Yeah, for sure. Just want to get that out of the way up front, and of course, I love them too. Um, Who doesn't? Yeah, exactly. And my number five. <laughs> is maybe not like the most spectacular knockout, but it's more the visuals. It's the reaction of the person getting knocked out that makes it. It's Leota Machida knocking out Rashad Evans oh, yeah, against, <laughs> against the fence. He hits him with like a, I think it's either a hook or a short uppercut. And just the way Rashad Evans' legs give out from under him, he just looks like he died or literally crumbled or looked like a puppet on a string that had the strings just cut all at once yeah. and it was it looked terrible but it was amazing at the same time yeah it's always nasty when they're like legs like bending all these crazy ways <laughs> or like 
when Matt Brown, I mean, he was out immediately, but his arms, like, they kind of cramp up. They yeah. Look, they look like, yeah, it looks like they're having, like, a seizure or something. Yeah, it's always nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your number four? Uh, my number four, if my favorite fighter of all time, Dan Henderson knocking out Michael Bisping. Knew this was going to be on your on your top five. So, actually, I mean, could not be. It was yeah, incredible knockout. It's amazing. I originally had it as my number five, but once I thought about who my co-host was, I put it out on my mention just so we didn't have too similar of a list. But yeah. yeah, so amazing. Go ahead, talk about it. So clean. It's so crisp. It's fake the leg kick and just came with the biggest overhand rocking punch. <laughs> I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, and then of course. The unnecessary second uh, hammer nail. Yeah, just dropping down from the heavens on top of him. Yeah, I actually, in preparation for this, I watched like a little video with like twenty twenty five awesome knockouts on it, and man, it was like you said, the cleanest <laughs> overhand right that you'll ever see. Yeah. My number four is from the Ultimate Fighter season four finale, one of the best comebacks of all time. In the span of 10 seconds, Scott Smith takes a shot to the gut, bends down, looks like it's about to be over. Pete Sell runs in to finish the job, and out of nowhere, Scott Smith throws a right hand and knocks Pete Sell straight on out. Yeah. It's just one of these, almost too good to be true, looks like it was scripted. Uh, you know, one guy's about to get knocked out, and at the last possible second, throws a punch and knocks the other guy out. It's... It's only number four, just because, I mean, who cares about Scott Smith or Pete Zell at this point, but yeah. just an awesome moment. Like, if they uh, were, if this would have been in Warrior, that MMA movie, I'd be like, ah, bullshit, not believable. Yeah. I'll have to go back and watch that one. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, what are we at here, number three? Number My number three? three is Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo, clean as can be. Yep, honorable mention. Yeah, I mean, that was just awesome. First punch of the fight, just, I mean, fucking put his lights out. <laughs> 13 seconds. Yep. And, uh, wearing that shirt, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's in my uh, dresser. <laughs> but the the thing to me that it's the most unbelievable about that fight, as short as it was, the fact that despite being knocked out, Aldo still hits McGregor with a punch that leaves him with a mark. Yeah. So, like, uh, I do eventually want to see a rematch because I think it would be an all-out war. No, I agree. I think it would be totally different. I think it would probably be one of the fights of the century. Yeah. But I can understand McGregor's position because he did not come out in 13 seconds. He does not have to take a rematch. He has nothing to prove, but I would still love to see it. Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I think... The stature of Jose, although the record he was on before that kind of gives him a right to want the rematch. For sure, sure, sure. I can certainly see all sides here. But my number three is the Edson Barboza knockout of Terry Edom with this perfect spinning wheel kick. Looked like it was out of a video game. I mean, he hits him, and Edom just literally falls backwards like uh, like a mannequin that got pushed over. It's amazing. It's very similar to the Lando Venata, but even cleaner. <laughs> just, I don't know. I would like to put them side by side and, and see which one was better, but just because this one was like five years ago, it's easier 
It's become more iconic. It was first, you know. It was, yeah, it was spectacular. His arms went stiff and he just fell straight back. It was awesome. Yeah, spectacular knockout. Yeah, I completely agree on that one. What's your um, number two? My number two is the classic uh, Fedor Milinenko knocking out Andre Arlovsky straight out of the air. Interesting. I don't think I've ever seen it. No, really? Oh, wow. It was in Pride, I believe. Uh, Fedor's, like, back in the corner of the ring, and Arlovsky, like, jumps up to throw, like, a flying knee, and Arlovsky, or uh, Fedor hits him with this left hand, or left or right hook, or straight on the jaw that just knocked him right out of the air, out fucking cold. It's, huh. more, it's an iconic knockout for sure. You have I to have, watch that. Yeah, I have to go back on Fight Pass, or, or at least YouTube, and try to check that one out. Yeah, it's definitely on there. It's awesome. Cool, cool. Well, my number two is one that I think you were over my house when we watched it. Uh, Anderson Silva knocking out Vitor Belfort with the front kick. I think it was the first ever knockout via front kick in the UFC. That was badass. It was just so smooth, so quick, so precise. I This was almost my number one just because it. this is the defining moment, I feel like, of Anderson Silva. Sure, you could say the upward elbow knockout was vintage Anderson Silva, but this to me was just the entire fight. He's so calm, he's so relaxed, not throwing anything, just patient, 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 and boom, knocks him yeah. out immediately. That just like yeah. epitomizes Anderson Silva for me. That and yeah. the Chael Sonnen submission. Yeah, I mean, Vitor like I crumbled. His whole body just fucking went out. That was awesome. Yeah, and then, of course, Leonardo Machida goes out like a month or two later and does this very similar thing to Randy Couture. Yeah, that was one of my honorable mentions. I got a bunch of honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. This was definitely a tough one to uh, whittle down. Yeah, it's hard to even differentiate because, I mean, I saw one where Rashad Evans knocked out Sean Salmon, which was just a brutal, disgusting head kick, very similar to uh, Cowboys on Matt Brown, but... Who the hell is Sean Salmon? Who cares, you know? Like, yeah, right. Uh, it's like trying to balance, like, the people involved versus the highlight reel aspect of it. It's very tough. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before I not, uh, name my number one here, I'm just going to throw a few honorable mentions out there. Do it. Um, of course, we got the Land of Venata versus John McDessie. It just happened. That was awesome. Um, I asked like, the Anderson Vitor one. A um, couple, two here, Johnny Hendricks versus Martin Kampman and Johnny Hendricks versus John Fitch. But yeah. Clean left hands and sent them rolling backwards out. Two cold. just like shotgun blasts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leota versus Randy Couture. Um, I think that's about it. Don't forget Czech Congo knocking out Pat Berry in another very kind of sort of Scott Smith pizza moment where yeah, that was chaotic. <laughs> like, uh, Congo looked like he was about to get finished, and he just came out of nowhere with some shots to beat, to knock out Pat Berry. Um, my number one, mostly because of significance and pretty badass knockout, Anderson Silva being knocked out by Chris Weidman. I mean, it was a shot heard around the world. One of the most shocking things I've ever witnessed in the octagon, I think. Goosebump-inducing like disbelief, yeah, it was pandemonium. Jaw over, dropping over yeah. in my house. Yeah, we were going crazy when that happened. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I certainly consider that honorable mention for sure. But to yeah. me, it just—I mean, it was not very spectacular. Yeah. But the significance portion, I can respect. 
That was it's probably just, the biggest holy shit moment it's of like all time. Anderson's doing that thing where he's faking like he's hurt, and except he was actually hurt and we didn't realize it. Yeah. And then boom, done. Just crazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, my number one is something I mentioned earlier on in the podcast. It's Jose Aldo's flying double knee knockout against Cub Swanson. Yeah. Have Have you seen this? Yeah, fucking badass. I watched it five times in a row today. <laughs> it's just, it's incredible. I, it's my favorite knockout of all time. Obviously, I put it as my number one. It's just immediate. Bell rings, runs towards him, hits him with a flying knee, but then puts his other knee up and hits him with that even harder. Yeah. I mean, the fight's over at that point, but he puts in a couple shots to finish the job. But this is just Jose Aldo announcing himself as a presence, and he never slowed down until he was knocked out by Conor McGregor last December. Yep. So, it was awesome. Certainly awesome. If but, you uh, uh, go ahead, I was just going to say, everybody out there listening, um, hit us on Twitter at uh, what you think about our top five or honorable mentions. Yeah, if you got throw, any that we missed, please let us know. Yeah, yeah throw oh. us your top five. We'd love to hear it. I'd love to watch uh, so many, any big knockouts that I missed. So Yeah, definitely. And what I think we're at, the Red Belt Report. That's our. Just at Red Belt Report. Couldn't fit yeah. that though in there too long. Yeah, and I'm at Brooks Fallon. And, and uh, I'm at the Oriole Report. Yeah, I'm kind of new to Twitter, and I'm loving it. So awesome! Yeah, I'd love any any feedback we can get. For sure, yeah. Twitter's fun, especially on fight night when you're if you follow all the MMA guys and everyone's giving their opinions. Pretty cool. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, like us on Facebook, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, um, and we'll be back after UFC 207 to talk about Ronda Rousey's comeback. Until then, yeah, we're gonna throw some fresh rankings up too. Absolutely. And our year-end reward show is coming up, so plenty of good stuff hopefully coming from us soon. So until then, we'll see you later. I'm too good with these hands. Watch a hater fall flat. If I die, all I know, I'm a motherfucking legend. It's so great for my city. I'm the realest one that's repping. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If I die, I'm a legend. When they lay me down to rest, I know I was always repping. Oh, my God. My whole life, my words been my greatest weapon. I know I, I know I been the coast's greatest blessing. Better recognize a king when he repping with you. You hold Suck, it's like you always bring a vacuum with you Silent like a mannequin, but you ain't plastic, is you? Cause if you got a bone to pick, I gotta match an issue Talking about me, then it gotta be lies Cause I never get a tag or a chance to reply If you don't got the courage to mention me Then you can fuck yourself with your phone until the battery dies I mean, you mad at me, why? Cause I had to be fly Two albums in a year, and I can't even try Tried to fill my shoes, then you had to resize I'm the king on the throne, bitch, is where I reside And I pull up on a hater, watch a hater fall back I'm too good with these hands, watch a hater fall flat If I die, all I know, I'm a motherfucking legend It's so great for my city, I'm the realest one that's repping Oh my God, oh my God, if I die, I'm a legend When they lay me down to rest, I know I was always repping Oh my God, my whole life, my 
my worst been my greatest weapon I know I, I know I Been the ghost's greatest blessing